Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my True Believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I am doing fantastic. It's uh, kind of springtime here in South Florida, which you know what that means, it's starting to get hot. And we're starting to go a little bit into the rainy season. And normally I'm not that thrilled, but I have about over an acre of new longan trees and uh, mango trees that I planted since last year. And I get it now with the farmers. I get it. I get it about the rain. Before it was like, oh my God, it's raining. Now it's like, oh, it's going to rain. Good, good, good. Because then that means I don't have to worry about watering. I've got young saplings out there. I've got about over a hundred of them. And let me tell you something. I'm a micro farmer and I get it now. I get it about the rain thing. Uh, so yeah, that, that's why I'm mentioning it. That's why I'm so happy about it because I don't have to do a, a duty of uh, making sure that everything out there is um, gets watered because eventually, of course, we're we're hoping since these were grafted trees that maybe in a couple of years we'll get some um, some harvest out of them but yeah and you know you lose a few along the way so yeah my adventures in micro farming but anyway and of course you know i have the chickens etc etc so anyway guys let me tell you about today's guest which i'm so excited about uh i have a gentleman by the name of alan pacheco now alan is an author he's an investigator he's a metaphysician a historian and a sag actor he was born in Santa Fe and his ancestors pioneered the area and I asked him when you say how long have they been there uh yeah try the 1500s <laughs> hello <laughs> you know like I was telling him the best I got is maybe two or three generations and after that I'm relying on my pie chart and that's about it but anyway let me bring Alan on and of course uh I wanna I wanna well, you know what we're gonna ask him right okay but here we go how are you doing today Alan I'm doing very fine. Hello, Marlene. It is fantastic to have you on here, Alan, because um, I know that you have stories, personal history, and we t were talking about it briefly uh, before we started to record, which is natives of certain areas of cities, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, they're the ones that sometimes have the best stories, the most accurate knowledge, you know, the truth, if there's truth to be told. Uh, and boy, you definitely <laughs> talk about roots. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to ask you, Alan, what I ask all my um, all my guests, which is, how did you get involved in the paranormal? Childhood experience, what happened? Well, as, uh, let's go to childhood. Even as a child, uh, I had an awareness that others did not have. For example, you're three or four years old and you're there with your elders at a crosswalk at a major intersection and everybody's looking uh, across the street and I'll get the urge, the, the energy, whatever you want to call it, to look to the right and then that's where the car accident happens. Now, I had that kind of radar. Now it's not always on right. and uh, it comes and it goes and I'm not going to be like one of those phonies that on some of the cable channels that, you know, they say that they can see things all the time. No, nothing like that. Okay. Well, but, that, 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 and, but that's still, that's, that's, as, even as a kid, that's heavy duty. That's a heavy duty experience there. You know that. Yeah, and then further on into life, uh, other things happened that uh, cemented it. I was around uh, a lot of different types of incidents uh, that, gosh, read like a novel. And with that, finally, you say to yourself, uh, there's something on out there, and don't make science your god. Uh, they can't explain any of this, and delve into it. So I started doing that, and uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell there, Marlena. Okay, so in other words, you, it sounds like you had that tingle. How, how did your family handle it? Did they, were they aware that you were having these experiences, or did you keep it to yourself? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll just, <laughs> uh, okay, you're Cubana, and I'll just say this, and then yes. we'll get back into English. But, uh, you know, the elders would say, and of course with that kind of uh, how do you say uh, uh, well energy sent your way you doubt yourself yes. and you try to say no there has to be a reason for this a reason for that sure. but eventually uh, you get to a certain stage and you say, no, uh, there's more to this. Look what's happened. Uh, they're, they're wrong. And one of the bad things about junior high and high school is they try to kick out, stomp out your intuition, and they'll oh, try yeah. to uh, say, oh, Darwinism is the way or this yeah, and that. Exactly. And, you know, and there's no such thing as any of these other types of things in the Romans and the Greeks. Uh, the Aztecas, uh, you know, uh, that's all nonsense. They're just great storytellers. No, there's right. there's more to it than that. Well, and and, and it's a shame because it's 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 always got to be an either or. Either it's totally science, which of course, like you said, is like if you're smart and intelligent and educated, you don't believe any of that other stuff. Or if you go, then oh, then you're superstitious, and uh, it's kind of like inferred that you know, oh well. You know, like like you suffer and you, you know you don't just don't know any better. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I get it. I, I I mean, I grew up in that. And don't get me wrong, I I don't think it's you have to exclude one to have the other. Everything has its value. But unfortunately, a lot of what 
we're talking about whether it's the paranormal or experiences you just can't quantify it. you just can't reproduce it i can't measure it i can't and then of course that's where science says well if you can't do any of that then i guess it just doesn't exist right exactly and again too science uh you know it's it's its own religion and uh, they're going to say you're a heretic and they're going to try to stomp you on out and that's where we get uh, the people like uh, Carl Sagan, who says, oh, there's no such thing as uh, uh, life out uh, beyond Earth. Well, you know, right. gosh, how are you going to exclude all the things that have happened as far as UFO activity? Right. And again, you know, we, and I think that sometimes, because a lot of times people don't realize life as we understand it and know it, carbon-based life, but there could be forms of life that exist that we wouldn't know it if we saw it, if it was a two by four and hit us on the head because we just don't have a concept for it. Uh, right. we, we always just relate it as to wh what we see as life here, you know, us, plants, animals, etc. But there yeah. could be other forms out there. And for example, energy, that's uh, mm -hmm. in its own uh, uh, world. For example, uh, you can say, well, well, again, too, uh, the Carl Sagans of the world, well, there's nothing after this life. That's all there is to it. You're a, right. uh, like a battery that's going to disintegrate into the ground. Well, no. I mean, where does the energy, the life force go? Uh, all kinds of things that are out there that we, the people, have become sheeple because that's part of the program of the educational system. Right. Well, and, and <clears throat> I have a theory, and I know more than one person thinks of it. That a lot of people that during life have that belief that, that that there's nothing beyond when you're alive as in the body when they go into the afterlife and they find that that's not the case sometimes they become ghosts because they're just trying to figure it out then it's like what do you mean <laughs> I thought that when it was over it was over what what do you mean I'm still self-aware I don't get it and I think that sometimes they account for some of the ghosts that hang out at least for a little while to understand that there's more to us than just our physical bodies that yeah, in in, in some uh, in, in some encounters or throughout the world, yeah, you're going to find uh, some of these energies that you know are, are the question mark. They are so far away from, uh, or they're so ingrained, I should say, into what they believed into their baubles, into their furniture, and then now they're dead, and they're not going to move yes. on. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's, there's some like that. And of course, there's other ghosts, uh, other types, different energies. Some are evil. Some are uh, neutral. Uh, it's, gosh, it's just like a freeway. I mean, you have Volkswagens, you have Porsches, you have Chevys, exactly. you have Ford. Yes. Yeah, everybody's, and I know some of them are aware of, living humans and others are just stuck in a loop reliving or redoing what it was because let's face it I, you know it's an understatement that human beings are creatures of habit and sometimes i think even in the afterlife the ones that get stuck they want to still continue doing this was like this was maybe what they did for 30 40 50 years of their lives and they still want to or like you said they they still have that ego where it's my house you know i built this house or i lived here my things my stuff and right. they, they haven't shed the ego part of their personality, so I think that binds them sometimes. They keep them, keeps them earthbound, wanting to still, like, basically stand guard over their yeah. things. Yeah, the, those type of energies, those type of spirits, those type of ghosts in life, they were the selfish, miserly, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, arrogant, 
you know, the old saying is, uh, they had wide lawns in front of their manor, but they had very narrow minds. Yes. And those are the type of ghosts that you say that are in that loop that will come back and uh, be seen doing things over and over again. And unfortunately, uh, you know, every now and then we run into those type of people in oh, our yes. life. Yes, of course, of course. Yes. Yeah, they they they're controllers. They're controllers. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I mean, there's a whole host. Just I think as as varied as human beings are when they're alive, I think that that's why you will get some people that when they 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 get it when they die they move on and then there's others that get stuck for a little while and there's others that just get stuck. Period. They're like they still can't figure it out for some reason or the ones and I'm sure maybe you've run across that just are not aware that they're they're dead. They they just miss the part of the. Uh, the uh, you're not a living human being anymore. Well, their soul has been so darkened by, uh, again, too, making their title, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, oh, this yeah. is my mansion, uh, that that has been ingrained into them, that selfishness. And then there's others, too, that that been darkened by evil and are, yes. uh, are still here and basically a vehicle for evil energy yeah. and then of course there's other beings that uh, a multitude of them that are confused as ghosts and they're not mm -hmm. they're demonic or for example they can be jins right. uh, and again of course that's controversial and right. yeah there's and like we mentioned before there's just so many of them so when people say oh well uh, there's only uh, you know this category that category that's nonsense this is uh, uh, you name it, it's in this world, and different colors uh, mean different things for ghosts, different vibrations, and how you attract them, how you repulse them. Uh, it's, uh, gosh, it's, it's beyond belief. Well, and, and, and people are not aware because they don't realize that there's a whole host of what are non-human entities besides demons. There's a lot of other things, like you said, there's jinns. Even though some people will say they overlap, it's a different name for the same entity. There's a lot of other things out there that have never been human, and yeah. Um, yeah. they're on the non-human spectrum. And that's one of the things about channeling and how can people have to be so careful oh, about it. Oh my God! Yes, is because there is so many things and from other dimensions, other worlds, whatever you want to, uh, perhaps both, uh, that are seeking a host, and these things are evil. And that's how come I say channeling. Don't be careful. Avoid that because, yes. for example, the Ouija board, yes. uh, that's a parlor game. But don't mess with that. That's Russian roulette yes. because what you're bringing on into your house is going to say, oh, I'm your old great Auntie Jane. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's masquerading as your great Auntie Jane. Right. And once it's there, it's looking for something, the weakest, be it the youngest right. uh, or the oldest something to uh, become a parasite too and enjoy the physical sensations of that body of and course. also to be able to create more mayhem. Yes, yes. And people, and I tell people, you know, a lot of times, you know how that, that story that you see in the movies about having to invite the vampire into your house? A lot of these entities, sometimes what they seek is the invitation, but People don't realize that an invitation can be taken in a lot of different ways. Not just specifically saying, oh, I invite you. You could invite them, like you said, 
through channeling, opening up yourself to channeling or playing around with your Ouija board. And sometimes they don't they won't take you up on that invitation right at that minute. But once it's extended, it's almost like it's almost like they they, they want to negotiate it like you said either disguising themselves as a spirit or a person that they're not. Sometimes you know, you've heard I'm sure of people that it oh, it's a little kid. Uh yeah, sure. If you don't think that I tell everybody uh, this is the Trojan horse of a lot of very dark entities because of course people feel sorry for a child they are not threatened by a child spirit supposedly and of course if the child uh, spirit is communicating that they're lost or help everybody's like oh and it's like you have to be really really careful because like you said they disguise themselves in the in the best way that they think that they will be uh, gain acceptance and get an invitation of some form uh, into exactly. your world yes red alert red alert and when you uh, do that and again too one of the things that I have a uh, not when you do that but let me say this that when people treat this uh, as a rock and roll concert like some of the <laughs> yeah. paranormal shows on out there no again oh, yeah. too you're uh, gonna be tasting hemlock you know which mm-hmm. which goblet has seven up which one has hemlock exactly don't do it and mm-hmm. the same thing with the drug abuse drug abuse sure. with that it's going to be uh, walls of resistance yes not only of the mind but of the soul and you have these things uh, searching for again for this uh, host and unfortunately uh, now drugs are even worse with all the hoochie type of uh, oh, yeah. mojo that is being put into it in Mexico, yeah. yes. uh, the cocaine that's being passed into the USA. Yes. So you're getting the double whammy. Yes, and, and unfortunately it's, it's very inexpensive, some of these drugs. As far yeah. as, uh, you know, once upon a time, uh, let's say for cocaine, if, if you had that habit, it was an expensive habit. Okay. Right. This was the 70s, 80s, you know, the 80s. And I'm talking here Miami, the cocaine cowboy times. Uh, that was an expensive habit. And uh, once they started producing all these cheaper drugs like crack and a lot of these other uh, synthetic stuff, uh, forget it. It's, it takes very little for people on the streets to acquire it. And it's unfortunate. And absolutely, um, I've, I've worked with, uh, through hypnotherapy uh, with spirit attachments. And uh, I know that a lot of people that find themselves in addiction situations, uh, about 99.9% of the time they have an attachment, a spiritual attachment. Bingo, bingo. You're one of the first people ever on a radio show or podcast that has come out and said that. That's absolutely right because uh, it's not, you know, the old... uh, uh, the demon rum, the the chiba, the horse, the the heroin. It's not. It is the entity that is yes. going to look for that. And one of the things, and this is how come I'm so adamant about the border wall, is ninety percent of the drugs that are coming into the USA come through the frontier that's just south of where I live. Yes. And with that, you're bringing all of this disaster and paranormal mayhem like what you said attachments to the american public yes well and and this is the thing it's like 
it's almost like you have somebody <clears throat> that's got enough and, and like what i said that, that maybe they've had trauma that opened them up and they have a spiritual attachment sometimes several i mean it could human non-human you name it and like you mentioned earlier they, they're looking for a human host in order to experience the sensation of taking the drug that they could once upon a time when they did have a living body. But then when you have a person in that predicament who they facilitate the drugs by supply and by very cheap prices, then you have what they call these epidemics. <clears throat> and unfortunately, that's I think where we find ourselves that nowadays, I mean, drug abuse has been around, but usually it was much more difficult. Uh, but like I said, it's become so inexpensive and it just streams in. And people sometimes, I want to say, sometimes they're at the mercy of experiences they've had in this lifetime, but they're really also being sabotaged because of spiritual attachments and turbulence that walks with them. Yeah. Um, and um, in the, and I'm and I know I know, and you know, and living where you live you know that also there's a lot of dark magic that they practice out the border as far as with the drug trade as santa muerte etc which is a death cult okay yes. when you start working with that and, and 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 i know there's people that will say that that uh, that, that some people that believe in santa muerte they don't look at it <clears throat> as a dark practice in other words they might have an altar to santa muerte holy death Okay, maybe they'll offer flowers or whatever, but there's a very dark aspect to the Santa Muerte cult and the beliefs in Santa Muerte. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, the old saying is, and, uh, you know, you're going to get this with the Sicilians, mm -hmm. and you're going to say, you lay down with the dogs, you're going to wake up with the fleas. Please, yeah. And you're giving flowers to a death cult. That's just like what the yes. Aztecs were doing with the Huichipoli, with uh, human sacrifice yes. and you're giving this energy uh, or emotion to something demonic yes. and uh, uh, yes. it's, no uh, muerta, that's death you know yes. you can say muerto or muerta depending on what conjugation yeah. or what you're mm -hmm. going to be uh, but you're you're talking about a goddess of death something yes. that's going to disguise its death can be very beguiling oh, yeah. for example uh, people get tricked, and we'll get back to what you're talking about with drugs here, mm -hmm. but for example, the 1969 Altamont concert there outside of San Francisco, that in itself was a, uh, what would you call it, an invoking, That's, they did a, a documentary on that in the early 70s, Give Me Shelter, but in other words, that's where the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger and his odd outfit is singing uh, sympathy for the devil you got the hell's yeah. angels there yes. you got people being murdered there in the audience uh you've got uh the big bonfires going on there in other words that's a camouflaged invoking for yes. evil yes. and you had at minimum 250,000 people there and you that's just an example of a something that people can Google and watch on YouTube or mm -hmm. read about, but what you're talking about is is a parallel, but it's coming to somebody uh, bringing flowers to uh, something uh, uh, evil as far as uh, cult practice. Well, uh, well, yeah, this is, and that's that's the thing. I mean, um, they, I mean, there's different names for Santa Muerte. They call it La Flaca. 
La Niña Bonita, The Pretty Girl, The Skinny mm-hmm. One. I mean, all those things are inferences to death. And I mean, some people look at it like I'm, like I call Santa Muerte light, but it's very heavily involved. And it's it's uh, it's I believe that there's a, even chapels that a lot of the people that are involved in the cartels, and the drug trades, they 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 have adoration for this saint because they believe that it protects their whatever it is they're doing. OK, which is a lot of death either directly or indirectly and of course something that you know ultimately you know even if let's say you don't kill the person but if you're helping to transport a substance that eventually you know it's going to cause the death or destruction of a bunch of human beings how can you not you know be affected by it on a spiritual level i mean yeah you might end up with a lot of money but yeah 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 yeah. with that and again to what you're talking about with these uh, places where they bless the drugs, uh, yes. they can say Santa Muerto, Santa Muerta, and again, two different conjugations of this here, and you're blessing this, and it's going on in into the USA, and again, these people that are making the money, and then you look at what they're doing with the money, yes. you look at all the carnage, not only in the USA by drug addiction, by people in prison, by overdoses, by crime, but you look at all the the murder rate that's going yeah. on here, as well as across the border in Mexico. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 a terrible, terrible thing. Well, no, and, and, and people do not understand this is a form of Luciferianism. Yes, of course, and this is the thing that people don't understand. A lot of the objective of dark entities. Luciferianism is the anguish of the human spirit. Yes. A live person that suffers is in agony, whether it's physical anguish or mental spiritual anguish. This is what it seeks. And that thing with the drugs, okay, you could say, well, the person, well, but that has a ripple effect because the family or the people around this person, they suffer tremendously. So it's not just isolated to that one person who's addicted, okay? It expands outward from there, causing untold misery to the people that love that person, the children. I mean, it just it's like what, what, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. You know. Yeah. In the yeah, in the negative, that gift. Oh, that of keeps course, on absolutely. In the negative. In the negative. In and, the negative yeah. we, and the reason, okay, the world according to Alan, the and, and, and <laughs> the reason that we're here is to grow our soul. Yes. And when you have all of this, uh, how to say, satanic energy going mm-hmm. against you from this yes. well then you're just going to be trying to hold on to what you got you're not going to be okay. able to uh grow your soul and that's what this is all about it, it, i say the inside part of it you know the statistics the other types of stuff okay well that's going to be the tip of the iceberg but what they're doing is they are in essence destroying the american population from the inside out from the soul of course well and, and this is the thing alan you know Nowadays, you know, a lot of these uh, horror movies, a lot of the, you know, that they are into the possession, you know, supernatural possession by the devil, by the, and it was like, people don't understand. People that usually engage in this type of trade are what I consider perfectly possessed, okay? Mm -hmm. They are willing hosts to demonic entities, and God knows what else, because we could, that's that's a whole thing that we can get into, but it's almost like, you know, because you always see these movies, Hollywood's version, which is like the exorcist, where you're, you do stupid you know you float and you it's like no the most dangerous awful part of a perfect possession is that you willingly engage in the destruction of other human beings and the corruption 
of the spirit of other human beings. Exactly. And that is one of the things. Well, I, oh, let me just say two things on this. First of all, the real story behind the exorcist is how that started mm -hmm. was because the teenager was playing around with a Ouija board. Right. And that's how that started. But as far as, again, you said about the Trojan horse mm -hmm. and about what you see in filmdom, filmdom TV, etc. Uh, yeah, I'm a SAG-AFTRA actor, and I can tell you from first-hand <laughs> experience, uh, I have run into some of these characters where you say to yourself, my gosh, this is how they have gotten ahead, uh, they are bloodless, soulless, and uh, they've made their deal, and, that's, and, and this is the kind of garbage that is coming on out now. And again, too, that's one of the reasons how can we have such poor quality oh, yeah. when it comes to the arts now is because of what is being sold to the public. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's, it's part of an insidious type of, of oh gosh, plan. People say, well, matrix, whatever you want to call it. Right. That, uh, of what we do with teaching people at a young age yes. because the family breaks on up and then they're not getting, they're lucky if they get a good teacher, a couple of good teachers during yeah. their 12 years in school, mm -hmm. but usually they're just getting people who are in there for the pension, who yeah. really don't care about the kids. Mm -hmm. And then if the kids aren't having any type of, how do you say, guiding light from the family, from the school system, yeah. uh, because the school system just perpetuates an adolescence into the 20s, yes. then you have uh, the media, and then the media is going to glorify yeah. uh uh, the negativity. Well, I think that the media, I'm going to start by saying that they kind of put this division between children and their parents, especially as they go into adolescence, like you don't need your parents. And it's like, no, you do need your parents. You need boundaries. You need rules. Um, and I want to say, because, you know, I, I, <laughs> I went through 12 years of Catholic school. So, and I was, I was taught by superior teachers, which were the sisters of mercy until mm -hmm. I was in eighth grade and then <clears throat> um, in, um, in high school by the Marist brothers and the Marian sisters. And I mean, even when my children went to public school, you know, I, I was a kind of on top of them, but I could tell that if you really weren't, your child could very easily just go through school and not really learn well at all, at all. And like you said, because I think a lot of people that went into teaching were not teachers. They were just there because, hey, it's a secure job and I'll get a pension, but they, they weren't like the teachers. Like I remember growing up that even the teachers that were not the nuns, because you know, they had re regular teachers. They, they, these were like, these were teachers. They loved to teach. Um, right. And one of the things about, as, as you talked about, you know, the pension as you know, the, the, the saying on over here is, uh, it's a, a peel it type of job, you know, like you mm -hmm. peel a banana, that kind of thing here. Yeah. And they're there, and I mean, you think to yourself, geez, this person can't teach, uh, they're as smart as a box of rocks, uh, they're, uh, uh, they're just babysitting. And one of the bad things about the school systems here is they do not teach people to be analytical, yes. and they don't even teach them their constitutional rights, the First Amendment, yeah. the Second Amendment, and how important these things are. Yes. Uh, so that's how come you have people with these daffy ideas nowadays uh, wanting to yeah, be so yourself. Uh, uh, it just doesn't work, people. 
No, no, and, and, and I agree. And I'm going to tell you something, and, and people don't realize, there's people that you can be really intelligent and knowledgeable, but that does not mean you're a good teacher, okay? But then, beyond that, then we get into what are, you know, uh, because usually most school systems have a program of this is what we're going to teach in this grade, and this is the lesson plan, in other words. And I hate to say it, but a lot of it is like substandard, yeah. for lack of a better word. And... I want to use the A word, there's an agenda behind it. Yes, exactly an agenda behind it. And if you look at, uh, as I said, the, uh, the, downing, the, the dumbing yes. down yes. of Americans, mm -hmm. and that's how come you have, uh, well, I, I said adolescents extending into their 20s, yeah. they'll make it to their 30s, and that's what you have with people <laughs> nowadays. I have to laugh with people. I, I tell everybody, when I was 16, you know, 16, you know, but I thought I was 15 that you could get your restricted and you're 16. I was driving. I was like, I wanted to drive. I wanted to like, I didn't want to move out per se. I did eventually when I got married, but, but I was like, you were just wanting to be independent. Okay. Yes. And now it's like, kids are like, they, they're in their twenties. They like Uber me here and take me here. Take, and I was like, man, what happened? You know, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I made my kids, I told them, okay, you know, they got their little car when they started going into, like, at the end of high school, and I told them, you know what, you can stay here as long as you have a job and you take care of your costs. You know, you don't pay me anything, and, you know, you have to go to school and have a part-time job, and that's what they did, and it didn't hurt them. It did not mm -hmm. hurt them at all to yeah. to have that responsibility, believe me. Um, but, yeah, it's that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know. Uh, believe me, I've heard of enough stories of, I mean, not what, maybe a few months ago, that guy that was in his 30s and basically his parents had to evict him. And it was like, that's shameful. <laughs> what, what is wrong with that picture? Um, that uh, people, I don't, I, I'm not sure if it's being afraid to make their way in the world. I, I, I just feeling as of entitlement you know, like your parents. I mean, your parents are always going to be your parents. Don't get me wrong. But this belief that they're going to be obligated to take care of you till when? Till they die? <laughs> it's like, well, well yeah, you it. know, but again, too, there's, it's just not that guy. It, there's probably all kinds of things inside yeah. uh, the beams of that family. And, he ha and his parents did not do a good job as yeah, far as telling him uh, this is the way it is. It's capitalism, baby. You're going to uh, get your head t uh, handed to you many times if you go independent. Yeah. But once you get on out there and you learn how to surf, oh, baby. Uh, well, or I should it's... say, hey, baby, you know, uh, this is the best game in the world. And that's how come all these people without education try to come into this, world, into this country here. Yes. Because they say, geez, just through hard work, I, I, can, I can make it. And uh, other people that are here because of the dumbing down of the school system yeah. is, uh, you know, I want to be like Sweden. I want to be like, well, it's Sweden yeah. falling to pieces, yeah, they and they're going to yeah. be like Venezuela. And uh, no, it, it just yeah. doesn't, well, it doesn't work that way. Nearest yeah. garbage bin so I can find dinner. Thanks. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, look at you. You're, you're Cubana. Oh, I let mean, me tell you at, something. Look, look at Fidel. Yeah, look Alan, at Fidel there, and Cuba. There, yeah. if, if there's anybody that understands that, very well it's me and the experiences my family had and i did yeah. i did not meet my father till i was 11 years old because of communism so yeah. if there's every time i hear some of the stuff is like what a bunch of bs yeah okay what a bunch of then i had some other choice words but 
yeah, believe me, I've, I understand it and I've lived it and I lived with the repercussions of it and my family did firsthand. It's not like, oh, you see on the news, it's like, uh-uh. No, I understand very, very well. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of BS that's given out there. And let me tell you something, people have no idea, have no idea the horrors that come with socialism slash communism because that's really where it ends up at and that's why you have a lot of these european countries which at one time were part of the ussr are so stringently anti-immigration like hungary you know that people from all these other different countries like germany and france are immigrating to hungary to live there exactly and the thing about that is is once again with the educational system of france and now to a degree germany Mm -hmm. but in england uh, it, it, uh, they have done a magnificent job in dumbing down their people. Yes. They don't know about the Renaissance. They don't know right. about World War II. The, uh, uh, the government has become uh, uh, the father, and yes. now they're bringing these other people on in. Problems, And it's again true because they do not know their history. And it's, well, uh, the plan was, well, it, it was hinted at uh, in some terrible novels that I had to read when I was a young guy, like 1984 right. or Animal Farm. But after a while, you see yourself, you know what? Uh, I understand what he's getting at now because it's happening in France and they're yes. trying to do it here in the USA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Originally, those were looked at as dystopian novels, like fiction. Yeah, you know, of course. But it was full of hints about what's coming our way because the author who uh, wrote it and I guess what was his real name? Ripley. His pen name was, uh, gosh, uh, it'll come to me in a couple of minutes. But yeah, he was uh, uh, linked on in to what was going on in uh, after World War II. Yes. And this was kind of, how do you like to say, like a smokescreen with hints. Hey, yep. this was down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, by gosh, it, it happened. Yep. And you say to yourself, well, come on, Alan, you're putting too much emphasis into it. No, no, no. You read different books, and you can see that this is the game plan for the future. Yes. Look at Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Yes. Okay, game plan for the 1940s, and he wrote that, that in 1921, it was. Yeah. People don't realize that, because people think uh, that, that, that sometimes things that are set in motion, the end goal could be 20 or 30 years or even 40 years down the road, but they understand that it's a process. It's not like a, it's not like a a, a a takeover coup d'état like where all of a sudden somebody storms the whatever and it's it's it's, it's it was a new government no it's it's a process and they understand that that's the only way that they can get a population to be indoctrinated and to go along with it. Um, yeah. And and I'm gonna t- I mean I'm gonna I'm not gonna go into the particulars of what I used to do before but um, for the state but I, I can tell you Alan that. Uh, also, and I'm going to go to the adults, we've been, we also, uh, people are, I want to say the general population, start relying too much on the government to res- to solve problems for them, including with their kids, okay? Yeah. Um, instead of, hand- I mean, don't get me wrong, I understand that you need structure and government and so society runs and everybody can be okay, but it becomes to the point where instead of people taking responsibility for themselves, for their family, for their children, they expect the government or some arm of the government, whether it's the police or whatever, to come and handle stuff for them. And it's like, no. By this, I don't mean vigilante. I'm talking about, uh, <clears throat> for example, I, I, I would be in certain situations where uh, people were calling police to, like, say, I-, I need you to lecture my child. 
because you know let, let's say they had a, an adolescent that was totally out of control okay and it's like what is this what do you mean call the police to lecture your kid or give them a talking to you yeah. know uh and uh then, let me tell you this was very common don't get me wrong i know that once upon a time yeah you would have some wild child or bad seed or whatever you want to call them that it's like wow but this was this is very common people are, are accepting of the intrusion of the government to handle everyday things that you should be taking care of for whether it's for yourself or somebody else in your family and then of course then you pay the piper down the road when uh certain laws are made and you find your all your choices have disappeared well yeah that's that's true you know once the again too we're talking about uh leadership mm -hmm. and adolescence being uh uh parents who do not qualify as leaders and once you got to bring on in the police to try to lecture yeah. then you say to yourself the game's on over because we're pretty much close to it because they've had such a bad uh upbringing with uh no boundaries and with no uh how to say ideas set into them about uh responsibility and uh, well again too about the capitalistic system yes. and yeah, so we see that, and we see that with the breakdown uh, with families, with people that are in prison, because if you look at uh, a lot of the people that have been, gone to prison, I mean, they come from basically no uh, yeah. foundation there, and you then, you, okay, it's, it's easy to see how they, they, they got into the system, and once the system gets their hands oh, yeah. on them, the system wants to make money off of them. Oh, let me tell you something. I, 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 yes, I do believe that unfortunately we've been over criminalized yeah. okay it's don't get me wrong i I, to, I totally believe in law and order i i understand it you know you need law and order to run a society okay you're always going to have the outliers out there that they're not going to be happy with it but okay but we've also over criminalized stuff where people get arrested everything and then you get a, a a criminal record over stupid stuff and then it impedes you from getting a decent job i mean it's like uh, and then at the same time, it's 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 a mixed bag, Alan. Um, uh -huh. As far as you know, how it affects society down the road. Uh, yeah. And you know, like like I would say, you know, before once upon a time, yeah, most police were really out to get the really bad guys. That's what they wanted to get. They didn't want to deal with stupid stuff. You know, they they, they weren't out to to give the regular citizen a really a hard time. You know, and maybe yeah traffic ticket but police wanted to bust the real delinquents the real criminals nowadays right. people get arrested sometimes for stupid stuff uh you know like you said so we're criminalized and then it follows you around and like you said they want to of course they get money out of um the public let me give you a perfect example like the 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 those um the traffic lights with the cameras on them yeah. You know, like that people are being, it's like, man, they all they think about, you know, is just pumping money out of the citizens and that's not fair either. Okay. Yeah. You know, a uh, big government needs money. Yes. And the thing that you, that uh, they want is they want, uh, uh, more people into the system yes. so that they will be voting. Well, well, let's tell it like it is. Yeah. Most people that do work for the government are going to be voting democratic. Yes. So you're going to have these type of, and I not say democratic, democrat. And with that, you are going to be having uh, the system 
to be putting more and more people yes. into government work. And that's, again, to going to a socialistic system yes. where everybody works for Big Brother. And that's not what this country is about. It's about capitalism, about entrepreneurship. Yes. And, uh, you know, those that uh, can go on out there and uh, put the time on in and blood, sweat, and tears. I know that's a cliche, but that's what it takes yes. to get a successful business going. Well, you know and, what? And if you, I think that if you have the drive and the initiative, you should be rewarded for it. Exactly. And the thing about that is why should I end up paying for somebody who's going to be Joe Lazy at the job while I'm putting in all these extra hours? And I'll just say this because I think we have to get to the, to the paranormal aspect right, here. Right, I know. It's like... I, 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 I think here is with, with, with my business, with my tours. I do tours and I write books uh, and you can get my books on Amazon and my website is santafeghostinhistorytours.com. But if you go on my tours, it's not going to be uh, here is where the ghost of, uh, of uh, Clyde Clucks was seen, uh, this kind of stuff. You're going to get the inside information uh, about the history of the area and what happened with the sighting and also my insights on investigations that I got there. Okay. So you're going to get a lot of it, – it, it, it's a very – how do you say – a uh, highbrow type of tour. It's right. it's something, and I, we we've jumped into some. Um, well, you know what? It's it's uh, all part and parcel. We went from yeah. from death cults to to the effect on society. Yeah. But you know what? I, I it, it's, but you it, it it all dovetails because let me ask you something. You are. It sounds like you're a self starter. You because yes. you told me that you have been doing these tours for how long, Alan? Gosh, I'm going to say my first tour. Let's go back to, let's say, 1986. There you go. Hello. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, I was doing uh, research on this way before that. Not that I knew that it was going to, right. uh, it was my own benefit. And, uh, and of course, all this information that I, interviews for my, again, too, from some oldsters that lived during Wild West days, right. uh, during the Santa Fe ring days, the end of the, uh, gosh, uh, you know, this would be like the end of the Billy the Kid era, that kind of thing. Right. So I was able to talk to these oldsters and get all kinds of information from them before they passed on. And these people yeah. were in their 90s. And this right. was ages and ages ago before the 1980s. So yeah, so with, with, with what I do, I'm very thorough. And uh, yeah, so again, too, if you come to Santa Fe, uh, look me on up. I'm on the internet, Santa Fe Ghost and History Tours, or just Google Al, or Yahoo. Al Pacheco Ghost Tours, and you'll see my website, and it's like 180 some pages. It's uh, I saw you got see... a gazillion pictures, and a lot of people send you pictures. I was looking at that; those testimonials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's pictures of of uh, people on my tours. People mm -hmm. during uh, sometimes people have got things on my tours. You can see ghost pictures, energy. Uh, 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 information on cattle mutilations that I've done, uh, conspiracy, okay, and again, too, if that, you like... That, 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 that's, uh, that's, that's, is out there, you've got a lot of, what, uh, a lot of ranching as far as out, on the outskirts or in that area? Yes, yes, yes. Well, this is the, the old Wild West. Yes. Let me ask you something. Do you, have you stumbled across any older stories about cattle mutilations? Because, you know, we always think of it as something more modern. Yes. Have, 
Okay. Well, let's. Okay. Yeah, the media is going to say mm-hmm. that the first mutilation happened in 1967 okay. at El Rongo. The first mutilation happened in 1947, and this was just a few days before the Roswell incident. Really? And on July 3rd or July 4th, depending upon you know what archive you're going to believe, etc., mm-hmm. a craft, a UFO, crashed outside of Roswell, New Mexico, and crash was a shot down, was a hit by lightning. Okay, we don't know, but in essence, that's what happened. And you have, right. of course, the the mothership, and it bounced. You had the two debris fields and the escape pod. Now, the thing about Roswell is, is why would a craft be over Roswell, New Mexico? This is because at that time, Walker Air Force Base was the only military base in the world, in the world, that had atomic bomb capability. This was the Army Air Corps base, this is before it branched off to the Air Force. Mm -hmm. This was the base of the elite of the elite. These were the guys who dropped the bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. This was the ultimate of military technology. So it makes sense that there would be a UFO over this Air Force, uh, this Army Air Corps base, uh, seeing exactly what are these people doing and what's the uh, top of the line of their weaponry. Now, a few days before that, like what was it, June 30th, etc. And I, I interviewed one of the, and he, I, the last of uh, of, the, of those cowboys. Mm-hmm. There was this ranch west of New Me- of Santa Fe, the. Uh, Roughly by where the old C.D. Baca Ranch was, and this is minimum 12 miles on out. And uh, they saw a what they called back in those days a Foo Fighter. That's another word right, for yeah. a UFO flying saucer. Mm-hmm. And they went riding on up to this mesa that you know that what was it that afternoon, and they came across a few beefs, a few cows that had been mutilated. Now these cows. Uh, you, you know, this is the, well, the classic mutilation is, and, and you know, we'll go through the decades here. Uh, the cow has, what, 90% of its blood drained from it, right. its sexual organs removed. Uh, sometimes the, the heart is removed through a tiny slit in the chest. Right. There's no human footprints around the cow. Mm-hmm. There's no tire tracks around the cow. Whoever killed that cow killed the bovine without a struggle. And that's what we had on up there. So... Going back, what, four or three days later to the Roswell incident, years, years, years later, decades later, when some of the paperwork gets snuck out of the Pentagon, uh, having to do with the Majestic file, the Majestic papers, they say that in the debris of that UFO that crashed outside of Roswell, they found a top seed tissue. So I am saying, got it there. Uh, Marlene, uh, Sherlock Holmes, was that the, the autopsy tissue of those cows? Exactly. That were, yeah, because you look at where Santa Fe is compared to Roswell geography. Mm-hmm. As you know, they say it's a hop, skip, and a jump there. Right. And then you hope that it was bovine, that it wasn't human tissue, <laughs> because you know there's some missing people, and that goes into what we say about UFO abduction. So yeah. here, So we're talking about this going back to... Uh, 1947, uh, this 
cattle mutilation. So it's not a phenomena that uh, you know started in '67 or right. or uh, hit its apex in the '70s or when the media was on it in the '70s. This mm-hmm. has been going on. And here's well, go ahead, Marty. You got well, no, 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 me. because I'm thinking, you know, who knows how many other maybe cattle or even other types of wild animals were mutilated, but if there's nobody to find the, the remains to, to, I mean, if you find bones, how would you know what had happened to that animal? You might have said, well, thought the predator got them, they got sick, so. Yeah, well, what's one of the canards that uh, UFO debunkers uh, or people, for example, associated with the government and their you know, black ops are going to give you uh, the red herring and take you off in a different direction. Yes. And they're going to say, well, you know what? Uh, this cow uh, ate some poisonous yeah, whatever. <laughs> greens and it died. And these ranchers do not know their trade. Uh, and they're thinking that this cow that died uh, was abducted by aliens. Or I mean, it was subject about it was was it was something to do with UFO activity. Now, mind you, I, I, I go onto my website, Santa Fe Ghost and History Tours dot com. You're going to see photo after photo of cows that have been mutilated, and the thing about this is that these cows, uh, it's it, well, the ranchers know um, their trade, and you go on up to one of these things. Again, to you say to yourself, there's no, uh, wh- where's the blood of right. this? I mean, this, this is laser precision type surgery on these cows here. Yes. And in some cases, sometimes on the hide of the cattle, there is hemoglobin. In other words, the iron has been separated from the, wow. from the blood of, 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 the, of the dead beef. And... Uh, Sometimes these mutilations are out in the middle of nowhere, on top of crags, underneath trees. And in one of my books I wrote, for example, there was, and you can get my books on Amazon, Alan Pacheco. i got to plug myself on the show Well, here. no, no, and, I, I've, uh, I've been running, I've, I have a slide with the covers of some of your most recent books. Um, okay. So people have been seeing it, Alan. But, uh, like, absolutely, that, yeah, that they could probably link to your name and then find your books on Amazon as well, right? Okay, yeah, and the, as far as, like, for example, they did this one experiment, I think it was, what is that, the University of Wisconsin, and they ended on up getting a beef on a state-of-the-art veterinarian uh, laboratory, and they tried to do the mutilation that, right. they, find, that they found on, on these beefs out in, the, in pastures, right. and after eight hours of work, they had not been able to do what they found uh, they couldn't reproduce the, the decisions yeah, yes. or none of that. What yeah. they find out, yeah, uh, with the, with these cows there. Now, one of the things about this is the misdirection that you're going to find on TV oh. is you're going to. And remember, again, you're you're talking to somebody who's coming from experience of of being a SAG after actor. They'll get people and they'll say, "These are your lines," and you're going to pretend for the camera and you sell it that you're really inve- you're really interested in in the mystery of cattle mutilation. So you get these young people there, and they're going to be going all over this. And at the end, of, uh, 
we've we've deduced that it was just that the cow uh, uh, decomposed uh, by way of natural means and that predators tore it on up. And, and again, too, it, that's all part of how do you say the 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 throwing the tapestry on over you yep. of not telling the truth. Now there are some cows on out there that have been hit by lightning or sure. have been killed by a mountain lion, you know, calf has been killed by a mountain lion, etc., etc., or a cow that's been killed by a bear. But what I'm talking about are these other cows that, I mean, it's just uh, beyond belief uh, what's happened there. And again, too, there's been some other types of things that have happened. And again, too, this is more of the uh, sleight of hand. For example, uh, north of Santa Fe in the Dulce area, and some people say Dulce. Dulce is the correct way. You know, you're, you're, you're yes. Hispanic. I mean, we, get, yes. we don't want to speak Spanish right now, but, but yeah. I mean, for the people that understand how to say the words. Uh, but uh, uh, there's this area there that had uh, a number of uh, cattle mutilations in the 1970s. Now, some of these cows that were found were dropped uh onto fences or through trees, etc. Yeah, like how did this and, thing end up there? Come on. Yeah, and the thing about that is, is, is again, to, it's to lead the media into a different direction yeah. uh, than an investigator will say, well, hey, I just found uh, a, a, a NATO mask, you know, a gas mask, a U.S. Mm -hmm. Army mask, or, or, or Marine uh, gas mask. Uh, or I just found some uh, metal... Um, uh, tinfoil uh, uh, pieces, uh, yes. shaft, what you're going to be doing to blind a radar unit when you sprinkle that uh, for, you know, tactical airstrikes, that kind of thing. And that is being placed there. Right. To, to make it look like, oh, yeah, the conspiracy the, theorists, yeah. Yeah, to throw the, the, the writer... Uh, the few writers that are covering this say, oh, you know what, this is all part of some type of top-secret government uh, experiment. Yeah. Well, no, it's not, because when you, well, I mean, that was, that, I mean, uh, having these cows being dropped from Huey helicopters or Chinooks or whatever that, but these other cows, no, that is not a yes. uh, uh, government uh, goings-on. For example, since Gosh, let's just say since 1948, 49, uh, because of the loss of cows, because they tend to go in waves, mm -hmm. there's been rewards been put on out there by rancher associations. In other words, things that are kind of like related to the 4-H group or to, right. uh, 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 well, uh, syndicates. Say, right. okay, we want to find out who is killing these cows. Right. Is it uh, crazed World War II veterans uh, from the Pacific? Then later on, it's got to be crazed Vietnam vets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, then it's got to be uh, uh, demonic uh, cults on out there. All of this time that they've had all this money on the table, <laughs> they haven't found anybody going on out there Come and on. killing cows. And, and, and there's this one guy, and, and I know we I, we're going into overtime, but let me just finish no, this, no, this story. No, don't worry about over, it. Don't over, worry about it. Here. Keep going. Keep is, going. For example, there was this one guy. Uh, he was an ex FBI man, and his name was Ken Rommel, okay. and uh, you know, like Rommel the Desert Fox. Yes. But he wasn't brilliant. 
as far as Rommel the Desert Fox goes. Well, maybe he was brilliant as far as being the spokesman for the government. All right, now he was an ex-FBI man. And he was, gosh, one of those type of square-jawed, uh, you know, uh, outside linebacker type of build, you know, uh-huh. uh, Coca-Cola machine type of fellow there. <laughs> and uh, he ended up doing his, what, 30 years with the FBI, okay. and he was here in New Mexico, Santa Fe, and then he ended on up getting a job from the government uh, to investigate cattle mutilation. So... This was like 1979, 1980. Okay. And he comes on out with this, uh, I forget what it's called, Operation cattle mutilation. I got one of, I got the text here and some footlocker of mine that he did. But this is just a rubber stamping of what he did okay. of what they're saying that all of this is imagination, uh, that this is, there's no such thing as cattle mutilation and that it is cows that have eaten poisonous shrubs and that uh, the predators have done this type of uh, uh, mutilation on these cows, and and this man, he, he he's passed on. Right. He was, uh, gosh, I don't know, what's the name of that irritating uh, uh, announcer, broadcaster for politics on CNN? Uh, uh, Jake Taffer, uh, uh, Jim. Um, Acosta, Acosta, yeah, Acosta, Acosta, yeah. Acosta, yeah, whatever, yeah, that type, that type of personality, yeah. and he would say, uh, oh, so uh, you mean you believe in little green men from Mars? You'd be very, very disparaging to anybody right. who would try to bring yeah. something on up. And I said, well, or you know, if anybody goes up to him, and says, well, have you been to one of those cattle mutilations? Well, I have my. Uh, uh, what is this, detectives working on this, etc. Yeah, here, sure. and I thought to myself, okay, yeah, yeah, this guy, he's in the loop. He's want to be be like yeah. the Philip Glass, who's going to be paid by a subsidiary that's going to be coming on out of the, uh, you know, the CIA or whatever. Black Ops has these civilian companies that are going to employ these people to uh, uh, shoot up propaganda. Yeah, yeah, that they disguise them. And this is the thing: if you're a rancher and you make a living from ranching cattle, let's say, from, from raising, you understand, you know that, you know, that the risks, the normal risks that you run, whether it's predators or animals that fall sick, you, you know, you know what's normal. So you know when you see something like a cattle mutilation, it's like, what is this? And also the number of them. It's like, okay, these people that do this for a living, yes. this is what you do day in and day out. And some of them, I mean, imagine their families have been doing it for many years. For generations, let's yeah. put it that way, and and let's and let's go this. Okay, now bovine blood and UFO, and of course, if you go on my tour and we do, I do different tours. I do history tours, I do par- ghost tours, I do lectures. Mm-hmm. But if you want, uh, for example, sometimes people ask me, "Hey, Alan, I know about the UFO activity outside of Santa Fe. Uh, tell me about this." Well, all right. Well, bovine blood and it's linked to UFOs. Uh, right away, you say to yourself, "There's no." Connection. I mean, right. it, it, it's like running a hundred y- uh, 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 athletic event of running a hundred yards and then going fishing. I mean, it just, just doesn't make sense. Right. Or, so, but there it, there is sense with bovine blood and cattle mutilation because cattle blood, bovine blood, is the closest to human blood that there is. Really? It's closer than chimpanzee. Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't yes. Know that. So. 
if we're able, and I, and I tell this on the tour at times, if we're able now with our technology to grow a human ear yes. off the back of a lab mouse, well, if these aliens, you know where I'm going with this, yes. are let's say 500 years ahead of yes. us technology-wise, well, are they doing some type of hybrid yeah. with the bovine blood with themselves and with captured humans, Just, you know, vanishing humans? What if uh, they're you, which is kind of like a horrible thing, but using um, the, the uh, artificial gestation for hybrid humans, but using bovine blood to circulate the, the you know, the gestational project, you know, like a uh, an artificial womb, quasi, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah, um, artificial, but at the same time, it, it's actually organic. Yeah, you see what I'm saying, and maybe um, yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, this is just me stepping out there, but why not? Why, yes, exactly. And uh, the thing about this is, well, okay, is that people. Well, you, you well, let me let me let me back on up. You're the you have gone numerous steps beyond what most broadcasters, and I do a lot of radio or a lot of podcasts too, uh, that that talk about how this is practical. In other words, uh, on the Allen Vine, you know, I heard it on the grapevine, uh, I heard it on the Allen Vine, that in certain uh, military, for example, uh, hospitals, uh, they're using uh, uh, bovine blood as kind of like a liquid hamburger helper uh, for regular human plasma. I could see that happening. Yeah, so that's what we've got, so that's the link between uh, we're talking about cattle mutilation mm -hmm. and then how to say the hint between the craft that crashed outside of Roswell and with the cattle mutilation in 1947 uh, uh, and before the uh, mutilation outside, uh, before the crash outside of Santa Fe and then the link between uh, bovine blood, human blood and then now the big Megillah the people that go missing because yes. people vanish and it's like something, they stepped into thin air. Yes. And people say, well, okay, they stepped into another dimension or uh, this is all bogus. Well, no, it's not. Yes. Now, maybe some people did step into another dimension or something grabbed them from another dimension, etc. But it's also possible that people were abducted by uh, UFOs, by, by aliens. Yes. We have too much evidence of this. Now, the national media won't give it any credence. But there's all kinds of evidence of people being, uh, you know, so long, that's the end of them, that were abducted by, well, aliens, Foo Fighter type craft. Well, and this is the thing, well, and, and you might think, well, you know, I, I, I don't know the exact volume, but maybe you could just get more blood out of a cow than you can out of a human. If what you're looking is for volume, that's number one, let's say if you're doing some, whatever it is. And uh, people don't realize, Alan, like what you said, how many people go missing that nobody realizes that they're missing. Because if nobody well, reports you missing, guess what? Right. Now, let me tell you something about when I was a young guy, I, I was, you know, I used to work uh, uh, slaughtering cows, you know, mm -hmm. helping at a, at a you know, butcher. Right. Uh, this is, uh, and you would. Uh, you said people do not realize, not at all, how much blood a cow has. That's and 
uh, you, uh, it's, it's buckets full and buckets full. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, of course, what, the human body has what, is it nine... I know it's got to be considerably less than... than yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. But again, too, that's where you want to go to get, you know, say, your, 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 for a lack of better word, and I've used this before, uh, the liquid hamburger helper. Yeah. And again, too, now you have these people that go missing, and uh, people have seen UFOs here. When it does happen, there's UFO waves, and there's a place east of Santa Fe in the Pecos area, mm-hmm. and of course the slag ter- slang term for this is the Pecos Triangle, and it's a takeoff on the Bermuda Triangle, therefore right. by where you live, mm-hmm. where people disappear without a trace. But there's no ocean on over here. Right. And I'll just give you this one example. Sure. And again, this is on the website Santa Fe Ghost and History Tours. Okay. There was this fellow, his name was Mel Nadal. This is just you know, I'm just giving you one example here. Okay. And he lived here in Santa Fe. He owned a gym. He uh, had a jewelry store. Uh, he was nobody's fool. He was happily married, had a teenage daughter. And uh, he was a black belt in karate. Mm-hmm. And he physically, he kind of, well, he was... Sh- Okay, if you, for those that go back many, many decades, he's going to look like what Terry Hanratty looked like back in the early 70s when he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not Terry Bradshaw, Terry Hanratty of Notre Dame. In other words, the, 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 the Ringo Starr type of haircut. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is September. And this is what, let's say seven years ago or so, six and a half, seven years ago. Let's say, just say circa seven years ago. And uh, his buddies, tell him, let's go hunting up there by Elk Mountain. And they go on up there, and they camp about 20, 40 yards off of the dirt road there. And in that area, it's virtually impossible to get lost. I use the example on my tours of this. It's kind of be like northern Georgia. In other words, every mile, you're going to have a field. You're going to have uh, bicycle trails. You're going to have a a barn. It's just impossible to, to get lost there. Well, the, 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 he tells his two friends, you go knock yourself on out, get your game, I'm going to build a blind. If something comes on by, I'll take it on out. Fine. So they get back at, do- at dusk, and his vehicle's still there, and there's no mail. So they crank off some rounds. There's no response. So they get one of these big air horns, kind of like a mini foghorn uh, uh tanker type of uh, horn, and again, there's no response. So they go to the ranger and then to the state police, and they organize this huge search. And I forget what where it ranks as far as searches in New Mexico history, but it's, 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 it, it ranks on up there. It's one of the, you know, a, a big, big thing. This is just not only, uh, you know, state police and family. You've got professional searchers, you got people on horseback, you got volunteers, and you go to my website, you'll see uh, pictures, uh, and you'll see me up there, and uh, and then later, uh, investigation on up there, well anyway, Santa Fe Ghost and History Tours, and they've got tracking dogs, they've got Cessnas, they've got Huey helicopters, those are going to be the ancestors of the Black Hawk helicopters, right. and uh, the thing right away, this, this is the, 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 the twilight zone aspect of this, 
right away into the search, they find Mel's tracks, and they go roughly about 110 yards away from the camp. Okay. And they just stop. In other words, he does not go back on his tracks. There's no sign of struggle. There's no spirit casings. There's no bear prints, no mountain lion uh, tracks around him. No, nothing. It's just as if you, know, you disappear into thin air. Now, this was, as I told you, let's say circa seven years ago. Since that time, none of his accounts, and he had a lot of money in them, have been touched. Right. He was happily married. Right. He, his no clothing, no bone has been found of this man. And that's just one example of what goes on out there. Right, and th this is the thing, because a lot of people, you know, I, I understand, some people do get lost, but a lot of these people that go missing are experienced outdoorsmen. Yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. like they're, like, wandered off, and then they're like, oh, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. they, they, they're, yeah. they're used to being outdoors, or they're either hunters, uh, or like you said, plus that the, the, the terrain is that you're either going to come across a trail or a barn or some place that if for some reason you had a moment and you became lost, you're going to find a way to... To, to be found or to come across somebody. Right, and, and for those that are familiar with, with uh, or a little bit familiar with the area that I'm talking about, uh, there where he was at, to the south, is Soldier's Creek. You just go down Soldier's Creek, you're going to get to the Pecos River, you're going to get to, uh, there's going to be, you're going to be passing by trails, roads, uh, you're going to be uh, uh, cabins, civilization, you're going to, uh, and then uh, I'll go in another direction. If you go to the east, right up there, you have on this mountain that doesn't have any trees on it, There, uh, you can walk it, you can hike it, you can take the trail on up there, there's the big repeater uh, radio uh, tower on up there. Uh, and then at night, you're going to be able to see the lights of civilization where you're at i mean it's it's again too this is an area that is how can you get lost how can your remains not be found in that place exactly and, and let me tell you something that story that you know or that 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 scenarios played out a lot more than people yeah. believe um they had one here down in uh, the 1940s. There was uh, a very uh, well-known jockey. His name was Al Snyder. And he had come down to South Florida because, you know, they have a lot of horse races, uh, or, or especially back then during the winter because, you know, they would winter down here because of the weather. For, and they would have the races down here in South Florida. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, in a racetrack, which is where I grew up in Hialeah Racetrack. Anyway, he was he came down and he was, he was a very famous... Jockey. As a matter of fact, he was supposed to be riding a horse that was going to go, that ended up becoming uh, the Triple Crown winner, you know, the Kentucky, the Kentucky Derby, the uh, the Preakness, and I forget the other one. But anyway. Belmont. The Belmont. He had finished riding that horse. He was like, and he had come, and he went with a couple of his friends to do like a, right off the Keys, they were on a boat, and they row out a little bit to fish, like for a couple of hours, like a little skiff off the big boat. Which, by the way, everybody, I, I know it. Off the Keys, it's very shallow. You could get out and walk, okay? And they went out there just to, like, basically, oh, let's see what we could catch. 
the people on the bigger boat where they came from are have line of sight of them. All of a sudden, dusk falls. A couple of people saw them, and they lose sight of them. And then they start thinking, okay, where are, they, where are these guys? Long story short, they the three men disappeared. They were like in a little dinghy, one of those little thingamajiggers. They couldn't mm-hmm. find, this was, I want to say it was 1948. They couldn't find them. They were like, where did they go? They, uh, back at that time, they, they started the next day, you know, of course, setting up boats, uh, airplanes, just to find them. And um, out there, you know, also they have all these little islands where some have fresh water. And they were thinking, even if these guys capsized, you could basically walk out. Even if you couldn't swim, you could walk out. You could walk to shore. In other words, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. hey, if you fall in the water, that's it. You're done for. They were within light of sight of the ship that had been on. I want to say like a week later, they found their, their dinghy or whatever, babies basically stripped bare of everything that had been inside it. And one of these, what's called 10,000 Islands, which is on the west side of the Everglades, the one that empties out into the Gulf of Mexico. They never found them. They never found any of the three men. None of them. Okay, okay. now wait a minute. Now they found this uh, small boat yeah. on the other side. Well, no, of they Florida. were, as you know what, you know, when you go down Florida, you have the Florida Keys. Yes. And basically, you're at the tip. You could go into the Atlantic. Or basically, you got the Bay Side and you've got the Gulf of Mexico when you're down in the Keys. You're looking on right. one side of it and on the other. Uh-huh. And they were down in the Keys area. And just a little bit up on the Gulf of Mexico side, there's a, an area called 10,000 Islands, which uh-huh. is part of the western edge of the uh, Everglades, kind of, is yes. where it's at. Like a week later, they found the dinghy there. And of course, it had been stripped bare of everything that had been in it. Incredible. They never found these guys. They they never found them. Yeah. They didn't find any trace of them. They were saying there's, they could have walked out even if they swam. There were these little um, little islands where they could have like like lived for a couple of days like till somebody found them. It's, you know, it's like they couldn't, it's never been solved. Um, what happened to them? Ever. And they were yeah. light of sight and they disappeared. And, uh, and of course, you know, um, it's never been explained. And, and they basically threw everything. They, and by the way, all three men, I think one of them was the manager, his manager. All three men were highly successful, very well off. None of them were into any problems where you would think, well, maybe they're trying to like disappear. None. They, they, they were all at the height of their careers, making a lot of money. And he had gone, was on a little fishing trip because he had just finished doing a race here in South Florida, in Miami, in Hialeah. And that was the only thing they ever found of him, was that little skiff, uh, that little dinghy. And uh, yeah, and as a matter of fact, the the horse he was supposed to ride did go on to win. And that jockey was kind enough to give uh, half of the purse, I think, to his widow. Um, But... Yeah, sometimes people go missing in the, under the most extraordinary circumstances that you can say, how could this happen? Right. Uh, and they do. And, and this was Alf Snyder. Alf Snyder, yep. yep. Okay. Now, I want to say something here, uh, being that you're, you're, you're national, but you've got a lot of people there in the Miami area, and yep. Fort Lauderdale area. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one fellow... And if anybody has any information on him, send, you can go to my website. You can get my my uh, email address. And with the Flight 19, this was that flight that 
disappeared in December 5th, 1946, off the coast of uh, Florida, off of Fort Lauderdale. Right, there. right, the one that went yeah. up on Fort Lauderdale. Exactly. There was one guy who was supposed to be on that flight. His name was Alan Krasner, I think his last name was, K-R-A-S-A-R-N-E-R, -E something mm -hmm. to that effect. And he had enough hours that he did not have to go on this flight. Now, was it because he had a feeling about it, or was he sick, or he just didn't want to, you know, maybe he was going to get liberty, well, he was in the Marines, but he was in the Navy, uh, well, anyway, he, he, maybe he was going to get off base earlier, who knows what. Well, he didn't have to go on that flight, so he's the only one that did not disappear, and I've never been able to track down what became of this man. Really? And if anybody has any knowledge about that, That's or if he's dead and they know, okay, he he told me this, or I'm his nephew or grandson, and he, this was passed on down to me that he had a feeling about this, or this is what he thought, uh, please pass it on. Because Flight 19 is one of the most peculiar disappearances that there is. And for those that don't know about it, this was after World War II. World War II ended in August of 1945. In December of 45, these guys, they were in uh, Grumman uh, TBFs, torpedo fighter bombers, were doing a military exercise off of Fort Lauderdale. And the was a, a piece of cake. These guys, some of them had you know, all kinds of combat experience. And I believe the weather was also excellent, right? Yes, yeah. And, you know, 2,500 hours, and I think, you know, one guy had the, I forget, maybe the Navy Cross, all kinds of, they've been under stress, under fire. And they do this, this uh, flight, the flight ahead of them, because, you know, different sections take on off and do this exercise of navigation, and then the dropping bombs at this Hulk, like you said, in uh, these shallow. And uh, the, the weather ahead of them is fine. Everything's reported fine. They do everything. Uh, they're coming on back. And then all hell starts to break loose. Uh, they get lost. Uh, none of their compasses is working. Uh, they can't, they can't be, they're, their radio, their transmitters, receivers are not working. They're trying to get their bearing on Fort Lauderdale and they can't do it. Now mind you, how what are the odds of every airplane's compass compasses going on functioning all at the same yes. time. And then I'm sure that in their emergency kit they're all gonna have a compass on them. Mm -hmm. And the, and none of them are working. Then when you have this uh, none of their communication being able to work well, then they can use the setting sun, yeah, because this is late afternoon, mm -hmm. of where to go. Now, it's not too difficult to do that, because even if you have cloud cover, you're going to be able to see where the dark clouds are versus where you have the lighter clouds are. Even if there's a storm, you're going to be able to see that. Yeah. But yet, what they're able to get from this military air control tower is that these people are thoroughly lost, nothing makes sense, and you're saying to yourself, where are they flying to? What's going on? And then uh, they don't hear any more from them. Now, when they were trying to vector 
and try to get to clear up the static, when that would happen, it would then they start to hear the voices of these pilots trying to get a, a, a some type of degree uh, uh, setting right. to head towards their Air Force base. Something would come on and just uh, cause all kinds of white noise onto the uh, uh, radio system there. Well, anyway, uh, at a certain point, they say, well, they've run out of fuel. We're sending on up this big search for them. It's the, I think it's the biggest search uh, mm-hmm. in uh, southern Florida history. Yeah. Ships, planes, civilians, military, etc. And they don't find any debris, anybody, uh, anybody's nothing at all. But as this was happening, they had a rescue plane that could fly in the air. I think it had, what, either two or, I guess, two or four engines. And it was, uh, I think it was called the Flying Dumbo. And it was uh, crewed by rescue personnel. And this plane had like a range of uh, time element of 24 hours in the air. And it was designed to rescue downed flyers. And it goes on out to try to rescue these pilots. And there's what, on the, on the TBFs, it's going to be a crew of three. And instead of having 15, what, there's 14 because this Alan Krasner is not on, on, the, uh, on that flight. And this other uh, rescue plane is going to have like, maybe perhaps a crew of eight. In other words, it's going to be a, a big plane that's going out there to rescue them that can land on the water. Right, exactly. And uh, this plane disappears too. Right. That's what people, that, that I think is the most fascinating thing. Yes. The rescuers disappear. Yeah, and one of the things that is heard, and of course they say that it's coming from, well, depending on what archive you go to, they say that it's coming from the rescue plane, or then then, rather it's coming from uh, the commander or the second in command of the TBFs that are lost. And uh, through the crackle of the radio, uh, it's heard, don't come after us, it looks like they're from outer space. See, I never heard that. Yeah. So, you have that. Now, mind you, no wreckage of this other plane is ever found either, or none of the bodies of... of and that rescue plane. So, we're now, talking the about the missing... Yeah. But you know that out in the Everglades, they've discovered planes that nobody right. has claimed prior yeah. that, that that there's no signage on them nobody they were they don't correspond to any missing planes okay mm-hmm. and before people go oh that's the drug trade these were planes pre pre-drug you know running here in south florida and where those planes came from they they, they found them out there in the everglades down to uh-huh. the everglades and they they you know they can't match them up it's like this plane belongs to who how did it end up here? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah w- that's that uh, incident that you're talking about. That's one of the most famous ones that you know that they attribute to things that have happened in the Bermuda Triangle, which yeah. is um, that there's no explanation. And I don't know if you've read recently because you mentioned that thing about the uh, compasses, which of course use that magnetic, you know, pole or the magnetic. Uh, that magnetism in the earth and that lately you know they've been experiencing the magnetic shift the magnetic pole shift which is why they've had to issue new reports for gps systems which back then didn't matter because it was you know right 
Well, let me say something about that Flight 19 and Alan Krasner or Alan, mm -hmm. uh, whatever his name was. Now, let me. I'll, I've wrote about this extensively in one of my books, but okay. uh, I just want to say that I've got a question here because here is his name is Alan Kosnar. His last name is K-O-S-N-A-R, and his first name was Alan A-L-L-E-N. Kosnar, K-O-S-N-A-R. So if anybody has any information of what this guy uh, said... And was, he, was he a native uh, down he, here? Was he living here, or was he just stationed down here? He was, he was stationed here. Okay. Now, uh, one of the... But, but again, too, you just never can tell. I mean, uh, you know, mm -hmm. who knows? I mean, if he was from Boston or from New York, right, and right. maybe his uncle... You know, cause so many people have moved on down from the Northeast to live in uh, Southern sure. Florida. Sure. So... Uh, the thing about this is that one of the stories, now I cannot validate this, is that somebody took his place. Now, you say to yourself, well, that's, well, who was that somebody? Who was number 15? Right. You say, well, okay, well, then that's going to say, well, you know, uh, that's just too much science fiction. Was, was, you know, was, was this an illusion? Is this just too good a story? Or did somebody really take his place? And was that covered on up, or who was this person? And was it uh, again? To the mind spins on that. Exactly, and of course, there's nobody. You know, there's uh, there's nobody left to say one way or yeah. the other. And and then, yeah. fortunately, back then, when this happened in those years, people knew when stuff was top secret, they kept it secret. It was like. Yeah, and I think to myself about the Twilight Zone, you know, was that one of the gremlins disguised, you know, the old William Shatner oh show where he's yeah, a person out there on the, that thing out there on the wing. Well, it's like, you know, you look at that, which, by the way, that's a, that's a, such a great episode. It made such an impact because it, truly it was that when you step from the your norm to the Twilight Zone kind of thing. But, you know, and uh, it, it, what are the chances? And again, when, when you dissect that situation like what you just did alan which is you, you here you have experienced airmen uh clear weather um they're basically because sometimes you know for civilians there's a delay in getting the rescue personnel out but for something in the military you know that it went out right away yeah um and they still can't find it nothing you know no debris yeah. nothing yeah. And by the way, I mean, a lot of this, people don't realize, not all the time, but a lot of this debris, it'll float right away. And I mean, well, nothing yeah. washes up. I mean, over here, you, we get weird stuff that washes up on the shores. Nothing ever washed up. Like, what happened? Yeah, no life jacket, no oil slicks, yeah. no, uh, okay, so this is five planes that went down. These are going to be single-engined, uh, three crewed. These are these are big uh, torpedo fighter bomber planes, TBF, Grumans. This yes. is the kind that uh, uh, President Bush, President Bush number one, flew in World War II. And uh, so that people that, that, you know, have anything, that know anything about the presidency, they'll right. say, oh, now I know what kind of plane this is. Not that I'm... Right, no, but not, in not, other words, not, and not, I know what you're not, saying. This is not like not a little a, Cessna, you know, that's yeah, like a, a little tin yeah. can, and it's like, okay... Yeah, and I'll just say this, not that I'm a fan of President Bush number one, but okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, but, um, and this other plane that goes on down, uh, again, too, it's going to be a 
large plane. It's going to be yeah. what uh, two to four engine. I, 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 uh, and I guess it would be t maybe two engine, and it has the floats, and uh, and it goes down. And again, too, no wing uh, struts, no uh, life jackets, no nothing, yeah. no. Yeah, so that's again to uh, that's the, the, yeah, beyond that, belief. That, that's and that's one of those things that you know people could say, well, with no evidence to the contrary, it's like, I mean, where did they go into the never never? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, things uh, people don't realize when stuff goes into the ocean, stuff things like I said float or end up washing ashore. I mean, yes. ask anybody that lives along beaches, some of the stuff that will wash ashore eventually. Uh, yeah. The tide will bring it in. Yeah. And for nothing to ever come ashore, believe yeah. me, that, that speaks volumes right there as to that something something happened and it wasn't yeah. like, the most likely, which is that they crashed into the ocean and that was it. I, I don't think that that's what happened to them. No, not at all. Uh, that's, no, something uh, they were taken, uh, or and uh, who knows what? If it was something that they came on uh, portal, portale, yeah. uh, uh, doorway, something came on out, took them, or one of them flew on in. Who knows what? But again, too, this is not having. Well, and you know, and there's a lot of people. Maybe, condition. maybe they have. You know, maybe there are doorways that open. Maybe there's what they call just rips. Okay, where like what you said, basically they're at the right, well, depends how you look at it, the wrong place at the wrong time, and basically they slip into through that rip, or maybe that doorway was open for something else to come to this side, and it was, again, wrong place, wrong time, and it's almost like uh, they just, and that, that is one of the hallmarks, you know, displacement of uh, magnetic poles, you know, all the stuff that normally, all the laws that apply, that you know apply to this dimension all of a sudden do not apply maybe it's for just a few minutes but then that's all it takes well again too let me throw something at you here and to the audience okay now I agree with you there Marlena about uh, sometimes people are there at the wrong time and they fall through something or something opens on up or something comes out and gets them or or their target of opportunity by you know, E.T. or something. Right. However, uh, is it possible that some people are tracked because they have a certain DNA yes. or they have a certain mental capacity? Because UFOs, and I've noticed this here with the UFO waves that we've had on over here. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you can see a UFO out in the middle of nowhere and you can say, okay, maybe I, uh, the person that I'm with or some rancher or another rancher there's only going to be four people uh, that are going to see this ufo out in the middle of nowhere or right. again to you say yourself maybe there's constant times where nobody's going to see a ufo now on other times some of these ufos are seen there over or by old route 66 and you say to yourself well why did that ufo go on over this city or why did it go on over or flank this major highway uh and i use the old route because everybody knows about old right. route 66 mm -hmm. now it's a now it's a different name uh what i-25 but uh the point being about that well why did it go on over that was it looking for someone 
and that yeah, you know what and that that when you start going and then when we're talking about dna then of course we're talking about high hybrids or genetic uh where you know they've been tweaking with genetics uh yeah. our dna and um let me tell you something i mean we could go into you know that there's the what, what they call the the use of the crispr which is what scientists nowadays do so that they can tweak genetics and you know their excuses that they're trying to basically get rid of genetic diseases but it makes you wonder you know maybe somebody was working on our dna for some you know in other words uh doing something then putting you putting us back in place i mean it it, it could be bloodlines i've heard of that as well yeah uh, and um unfortunately you know Nobody wants to be thought of as a laboratory experiment, <laughs> but I mean, I have heard uh, theories that there are, that there is more than one type of extraterrestrial that is, for lack of a better word, monitoring. Some of them just observe and yes. others well, are manipulative as to... I, I agree with you there. And there are different species on out there and uh, some are... Not warm and fuzzy. Yeah, not, and not ET phone not, And they do not want our, uh, they're not there for our best interests. Mm -hmm. are, some are, how do you say, just uh, neutral. Maybe one, uh, maybe maybe two will, how to say, say lay off of these primitive humans. Right. And maybe they have like a, how do you say, some type of, uh, oh gosh, uh uh, well, I hate to say prime. Well, I don't want to. Well, I, I start to say it, prime directive. I hate that because we can go in. Because I, I, that's another guy, Roddenberry, <laughs> and, and and the nine that I and, and Roddenberry and Star Trek and the propaganda right. of that. But but, but yeah, but they 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 have some. They're they're watching us or maybe right. protecting us from some of the most insidious beings. Yeah. And others, uh, they just want to roll dice with us. There are many different species on out there that are doing this. And if you look at uh, our the the different craft that have been seen and and here's something that that's kind of interesting about okay is it a new craft new beings but the classic cigar shaped we don't see that too much anymore okay uh, now what we do see is if the cigar is going to be flattened like a uh, wafer with maybe some bumps on top of it what so that's you see yourself is that a new craft of one species or is it a different species we have uh, we've been seeing these tube shaped uh, craft for I don't know how many decades and we've got the saucers all kinds of things here so again to what we were talking about at the beginning of the tour about different ghosts different aliens well we got Fiat's we got Ferrari's we got Chevy's Ford's we got all of these different companies on out there that uh, are uh, well Again, too, for lack of a better word, playing dice with us. Well, and I mean, if you really let's let, if let's 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 go out on let's go down that bunny hole. I mean, <clears throat> with some of the work and that I did with spiritual attachments and some other doctors, I've stumbled across it under hypnosis, where the attachment is non-human. It's as a matter of fact, it's extraterrestrial. They have run across mm -hmm. that. Okay, and you have two versions of it you have an attachment which is a spirit attachment it's just that it's from an extraterrestrial or the attachment is purposely 
uh, and, and knowingly an extraterrestrial that is like a parasite on the human host. Uh, in other words, it's not uh, spiritual as in something that passed on as a spirit. In other words, it's an active, intelligent, living, for lack of a better word, extraterrestrial that is basically using the human being as a host and they're doing observation uh being part of the body of that person i mean and that's a whole different other show but uh in other words i guess the the idea is that sometimes we want to think of extraterrestrials strictly in the sense of three-dimensional like us but we really don't know what their capabilities could be well yeah well i want to say something about that and when we're talking about what you talked about, extraterrestrial, okay, now I will go agree with you to a certain degree on that as far as some type of being inhabiting certain human beings as far as the human bloodline goes. And that's when we get into the Illuminati and, uh, for example, uh, alien, is it demonic, is it alien, right. that kind of thing here. And then again, too, with other types that we do, that some people say, well, that is alien entity. I'll, I'll disagree and I'll say, no, that's a different time, different form of demonic that uh, you have not come across. For example, with the lost science, the lost arts, and we're going to go back to uh, between, you know, Assyria and Atlantis, you know, after Atlantis and we were destroyed, or with uh, what some of the things of uh, Zechariah uh, Sitchin has to say about Sumeria. Mm -hmm. But remember the, com the chimeras, uh, yep. uh, the legends, the lore of that, uh, half part lion, Right. with a human head, with wings, right. were these the bodies that needed, that, that were were built, uh, again, with science that, that were, were given to the Assyrians or to the Assyrians. Right, which is, uh, like, uh, like, just yeah. think of the movie, The so, Island of Dr. Moreau, where they were like... Yeah, so that you uh, had these uh, basically dummies or, or, or chimeras so that you would have this entity, this energy, mm -hmm. be it... E.T. or negative uh, demonic being come on in and inhabit right. that chimera. And that's what you're looking at. And it, it's very, very interesting. When you go into the bloodlines of some of these people that control this world, uh, you say to yourself, my gosh, uh, look at how they're always inbreeding with each other. Yes. And it's always, and people say, well, that's to keep the money inside uh, uh, Los Familias. Well, no, 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 no. It's more than that. And talking about the blood, and if you talk yes. about, if you go into the ancient kings and talking about the bloodline and how important yeah. that is, uh, yeah, so you don't want to, as we get farther and farther away from, how do you say, having this, these certain characters in our history having been, how do say, half alien or having alien DNA in them, mm -hmm. uh, the, don't, as it gets thinned on out, they want to try to, how do you say, beef it on up by having these families uh, interbreed with each other oh, to well, keep yeah, that alien and, and, life I mean, in there. Some, uh, some of these families, they were basically risking sometimes genetic diseases like uh, the Romanovs. That's why that, the young prince, the one that was killed, he had, um, oh my God, this thing where you bleed. Oh, I'm drawing a total blank. Uh, where you can bleed very easily. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe that I'm drawing a blank. But, you know, a lot of those diseases sometimes are from too much intermarriage among the same bloodlines. I mean, they were willing to risk that, is my point. Just yeah. to keep it within the family, knowing that 
that there was a a, a danger. Um, and remember, yeah, a, a danger. But remember, with these bloodlines and the way that they are, or, or these these ruling families, you look at how how they rule, and they rule through the monetary system. Oh, of course. And again, too, that goes into the political system. I mean, remember Thomas Jefferson said. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a strong army with the way things are. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you control a country is through its banks, through its monetary system. And we see what's happened in the past. And uh, we see that what happens with, well, it's not happening now, but I mean, it's what's happened in the past with different USA presidents who are just basically puppets of Wall Street, who are, in other words, uh, well, I think that, that that's you know what I think that now with the internet and the I guess the dissemination or the ability to disseminate all this information because a lot of people are going oh my god it's like it's an it is a disagreeable truth yeah but, yeah but it's like okay you know let's face it you you do feel like you are for lack of a better word like part of the matrix you know you as much as you think you have free will or you there's a lot of your life that's being manipulated or the circumstances of your life how's that well i'd say this how we got free will but again too you got to get that free will you got to snip the 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 cables of the puppet masters that control you yes yes but but you know what i want to tell you something alan that that requires people wanting to be responsible for themselves and a lot of people are afraid of being responsible for themselves yeah Okay. Yeah, They're very and that goes back that. to the dumbing down of the people. Yeah, uh, uh, the sheeple. Yeah, yeah. and uh, people are afraid of they 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 they'd rather say, well, if you're going to keep me safe and secure, and uh, I don't have to worry about things, it's like, yeah, but you're giving a lot in exchange for that, a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not realize. what you're put here for. No. You're not put here to be part of the beehive. No, no. I I think that we're here to engage in life and make mistakes, and life is messy, and you keep on doing and some things work out right and some things don't work out but you're responsible ultimately responsible for the good and the bad and um and that that's the the way we're not supposed to totally live perfect lives because there's it's that's not what we're here for we're no here we're here learn. to grow our soul and yes. through experiences and through what we do we're going to be able to grow that 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 the soul of ours and as you say what they're doing now is uh, as far as uh being, uh, how do you say, taken care of, well, again, to then you are just being the walking dead. Right, no, people, unfortunately, and, 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 and part of, I'm not going to say it's the, it is, because there's more to it than that, but it's the numbing of sensations, you know, when too much drugs and everything, basically, you numb yourself out of stress, of caring, of worrying, of like, like you know, it's like, of life, basically, in the end, that's what it becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially when you think all my needs are going to be taken care of. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, that, that's a better way of saying it is, is that uh, because because uh, 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 with drugs, it'll go a different way. But yeah, when, when you get into a system where all my uh, uh, needs are going to be taken care of, yeah. uh, then again, too, uh, with the energy of these people and when you're around them and you have that, it, it's completely different as compared to somebody who's going to be on out there doing something on else and being uh owning his own business sure. uh yeah it's, it's just a and again too we can go into vibrations about that and colors but we don't have time for that but yeah you're on the right road there and 
Again, I also want to say something on us about what you talked about, the very unpleasant truth about uh, control and about who is in leadership. Uh, not not right now. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about previous presidents. And uh, you look at how well they were. Uh, okay, for example, uh, you put Trump in a different category, but you go back to, to Obama. You go back to Bush number two, mm-hmm. to Billy Jeff Clinton, Bush number one, going all the way back to Ford. I mean, these guys were the lackeys of Wall Street, of, in essence, uh yeah the corporations, and when somebody went against yeah. them, like for example with JFK, what happened? He gets assassinated. Well, I, I was about to say, you know, every, I mean, being president of the United States, it's considered that you're one of the most, well, you are one of the most powerful persons in the world, but people don't realize that, not really. I think that there's I'm going to use that word, the deep state or shadow players that really are the ones that have the reins of power. And they don't come and go every four years, in other words. They've been yeah, there well, for a the long deep state, time. Yeah, but now, as you said, it's being exposed, and we finally got a president who's talking about it yeah. and talking about media manipulation and calling it like it is, yeah. the, the, fake, the fake news. And, uh, uh, gosh, I mean, I, I, for example... Let me tell you something. I, 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 it's like people was like, I, I just... I'm telling you, you think it's like, why, why can't you just tell me what's happening? Don't give me your opinion. Just tell me what's happening, period. Stop. Well, no, we got a, we got a lot of, you know, Goebbels on out there that are Joseph Goebbels who are going to give the, the, the company line for the deep state. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's maddening if you're, well, I guess it's, it's, it's if you're, you've got to get to the point where you say, I don't want to be a, I, I cannot get my, 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 my Radio Moscow, my Radio Havana type of propaganda from CBS or ABC no. or NBC anymore. And, but one of the bad things about that is they're trying to now control the Internet so that oh, yes. uh, if somebody starts that. trying to uh, tell it like it is, they're going to shut you on down because right. it's not PC, politically correct. You know, the, the only thing about this, Alan, is that I think a lot of people who normally had their heads buried in the sand are going, wait a minute, what's going on here? People that normally would not pay attention to this are going, what? And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you're paying attention because we're about to go off the side of the precipice. Hello, everybody better wake up. And Um, let me say this, yeah, and I'll say this because your 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 family's from Havana, mm-hmm. uh, from Cuba, and like uh, about with like the Second Amendment. Well, what did Fidel do? Okay, yes. he takes everybody's arms away from them yes. so that they cannot fight the bad guys, and that's yes. what the Second Amendment, what they're trying to do here in the USA. And like you said, hello. I mean, just and, and people don't realize, you know, when a lot of people say, oh, because you know the people that are now that they call themselves socialists were not communists, and I. Fidel didn't call himself a communist until he was very well established. Exactly. He was even questioned about it and he denied it. Yeah. Okay. And and it's it's let me tell and in the end, even after he took power, he kind of slaughtered just about all the supporters he had within the military and infrastructure that had put him in power. He found ways of decimating them. I mean, it yeah. wasn't just people that were against him. These were people that had supported him. Mm-hmm. He, along the way, he ended up killing, assassinating a bunch of them. Because it was That's like, a, you know my secrets, you know this about me, He, you know, t- total socio-psychopath. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, yeah, people don't That's, realize how uh, there are no, uh, let me tell you something, there's no gratitude there. There's no, uh, 
thanks for helping me get empowered. They, they, they eat their own, in other words. Yeah, that's what dictators do. You look at Mao, mm -hmm. uh, you look at, uh, gosh, uh, look at other dictators, uh, uh, Joe Stalin or Joe Stalin, how are we going to say his name? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and for example, who, uh, Lenin, who started it all, uh, who took him on out? Uh, good old Uncle Joe Stalin. Or yes, the imaginations yes. of that there. Yes. Very, very strange how Lenin died there. And I say Uncle Joe is because some of these idiots will think of him as, as, as you know, that's what FDR uh, uh, you would call, uh, well, old, good old Uncle Joe, he's doing this, he's doing that. Well, I mean, okay, he's, he's fighting the Nazis, yeah, but I mean, I would never dare call him Uncle Joe. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and a lot of people make the mistake, Alan, of saying, well, and I'm going to use Cuba again as an example. When Batista was, you know, he was a dictator, but in other words, he wasn't voting, but still. Oh, yeah, they had a lot of problems, corruption, and, you know, they had the casino, but it could, it's, it's, it was stuff that could be worked out. You know, in other uh -huh. words, it wasn't perfect. It was far from perfect. Okay. My, my family was middle class. My mom was a secretary. My, like I told you, my grandfather was a retired policeman. My grandmother was a housewife because, you know, that was, that was a, in Cuba, once you got married, it was very rare that you, the woman was working. You know, you were housewife. Uh, in other words, it wasn't because we had money. We were, there was a middle class. And yeah, it wasn't perfect, but things could have been worked out. And what happens is that they work with the people that uh, basically are disaffected. They, and it just, that's, that's why, you know, most of the Cubans, especially those first 10 years between 1960 to 1970, they fled. Their brain power. These were the people, and I'm going to tell you something. My grandfather, he was what they call towards the end of his life. He was like a vice cop. He had been there for many years, and he would uh, dress like undercover. He was like an undercover, what they call vestido paisano, which means he wasn't wearing a uniform. Mm -hmm. And this was a few years before Fidel, but when there was already rumors, when they were planning bombs, terrorism. And um, he had somewhere they had would actually put him, let's say, under people's porches. And he came across people that told me one time one lady, her legs got blown off. And they would they would accuse that it was the Batista government that was doing it. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was them. But they do that. They do that. You know, that do it. That what they call the, the we doing it. But we're blaming the other guys. Mm -hmm. um, and he later on, he told me. Uh, after he had come over, because he had retired at the end of the, right towards the end of the 50s, uh, like when he had that beat, you know, what once upon a time where you had beat cops, where they knew everybody, they knew the, mm -hmm. the, the, they knew the robbers, everybody knew them. And he says that later on he found out that one of the neighborhood delinquents, they had made this guy the chief of police of that area. How does that go? <laughs> and that's, that's what happens. You end up putting people in power, which are, the last people you should give that position to, okay? Right. Uh, and that's how, of course, I mean, it's that's a whole nother story uh, as far as what happened to, and, that, and that's why the Cubans fled the way they did, okay? Because once they realized truly it was like, and people don't realize you were, if once it got out that you were gonna go to the United States, they would tell, if you had children going to school, and I'm talking about elementary school kids, you know, regardless, they would, they, you're, you would be ostracized from your classmates and the teachers would instruct the other two students to call you a worm in Spanish. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, they punished even children yeah. for wanting to come to the United States. They have people really have no idea how horrible what is uh, involved in all of this. Okay, yeah. they, they they're only seeing the uh, free stuff, like they say, and getting all your your things met. And I don't have to worry about where to live. And yeah, until you know, nothing belongs to you. By the way, when you were gonna leave they would say okay this house first look and i'm gonna give you another example my my father's family they lived out in the country on the on the other side of cuba and they had always had farmlands they had always had cattle they farmed everything when they took over they came and they told them we will allow you to keep your house you may live here belongs to the people and you will farm this the way we tell you accordingly okay in other words we're going to let you be nice enough to let you stay in the people's house by the way when you were ever we were ever going to leave your house anywhere they would come and take inventory to make sure you weren't taking anything because none of this belonged to you. This belonged to the government, to the people. Okay? So, <laughs> people have no idea what really, you know, it entails living there. I mean, people are seeing, let's say, now what they're seeing in Venezuela, people, you know, going through dumpsters trying to find food. Okay? That's just right now the, 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 the implosion. There's another thing involved with actually living under a communist rule for years and years and years. You would have somebody living on the block, watching whatever, who, who, who was that that came to your house, uh, so-and-so? Hey, uh, you know what, they, they didn't give out meat this week. Why do I smell meat cooking in your house? And people are thinking, oh, that's BS. That is the truth. That is the reality of living under this type of totalitarian rule. Yes, this is what it leads to. But they don't tell you that up front. It's only right. when that it's too late that you're like, what in the hell? Am I? You know, like you said, you're, you, you're not armed. Um, you know, if you become a dissident, you get picked up. Uh, they knock on your door uh, pre-dawn hours, and your family never sees you again. And yeah. nobody knows, are you alive? Are you dead? What happened to you? Uh, things like that, you know. People don't remember. There was, you know, you remember Alan before the, you know, the the Berlin Wall came down. How they would have people from Russia and stuff like that, and uh, USSR defect, like you know, athletes and uh, uh, different people that they, whenever they would come on tour, they would defect. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, people think, why would you? If this is so wonderful, why would you need to defect? Especially if you're somebody that is held in high regard, whether you were uh, a you know, a dancer or a sports thing. Your life was pretty sweet. Why would you need to do that? Yeah, like Baryshnikov and, uh, and uh, Nureyev and all these others that uh, yeah. defected. Yeah. yeah. And you say to yourself, well, okay, if you're at the top of the yeah. food chain, mm -hmm. why are you doing this? Yep. Yes. And again, too, one of the things about this is you say to yourself, uh, humans... Uh, are, are different. You're going to have some people who are going to be lazy, and you're going to have others that are going to be uh, producers. That's the and human why condition. should I end up getting paid the same amount, and I'm doing much more hard work right. than this person here? It just doesn't work that way. So those people that you know say, "Hey, uh, I can make uh, I, I can make my bones in this country and live a good life. I don't want to live in." Uh, uh, slum area with electricity being dim and only X amount of food. Right. Uh, I, I'll take my chances and I'll cross the strait and let me see if I can get to Miami. But you know what? It, and that's the thing. It's a human condition also, Alan. 
you're going to have people that, like you said, they aspire to more. They want more. You know, and this I think this is one of the best things about the United States where, you know, regardless, you know, you could you knew that your children have possibilities of doing much better than yourself, whatever. And you're going to have people that their their nature, their personality, okay, are just they're just content. Like they're laid back. Like you said, they don't care if they, they have to live in a tent and that's fine. Hey, you don't want to kill yourself and you want to live in a shack? Go ahead. But yeah. like you said, we need to reward the people, but if your nature is different, for whatever reason, just because you're ambitious, because maybe your background or your childhood was poor and you're like, hey, I don't want this for myself and I don't want it for my kids, and you're willing to bust your butt, why can't you say, hey, I'm willing to do what it takes? And hey, to each their own, you know what I'm saying? It's always been that way. You know, if you want to live in the shack, live in the shack, live on the mountain, live in the cave, good. And well, okay, to, to, to a degree, to a degree, because with that there, I'm going to be like the Ferengi and the laws of acquisition. I say, okay, uh, to each his own, but you're not getting any of my money. Oh, I mean, no, 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 I, no, I'm no. Not, I'm no. not going to support you. Now, as but, far as, because I have libertarian ideals about this, but mm-hmm. I'll say this, okay. Now, if somebody is, is uh, you know, uh, strapped, etc., and they have a... Uh, uh, mentally uh, no, uh, you know handicapped, well, then, then the government's got to step you know in and what? help for, for the is... blind, etc. Here, but as far as uh, uh, it being the handout system, no. and that's what they're no. trying to well, not right now with this administration, but with other administrations okay. to turn it into the handout administration, uh, handing out, I should say, society that's that's no good. And again, too, uh, that's what previous well, uh, administrations have tried to, uh, uh, I'd say, plant that seed in American society of it being a handout administ- uh, handout society. Well, I, you know what? I think that, you know, you're going to have a segment of your population, which sometimes temporarily needs a little bit of help. That happens. You lose your job. Okay. And then you go and you get another job. And then you're going to have a segment of your population, like you said, that through some disability, something that they need permanent help. And I think that our governments up to a certain point account for that. Like, we know that this comes with having a society, but that's different from like people that have no business like you said if you if you want to be a person that makes the the works the least because you have no ambition to go any further than living in the one room shack go ahead but no, why are you going to punish one, the person that it's not one room shack what yeah. it is it's going to be section 8 housing <laughs> and that's going to and that's not correct because no, then you're saying to yourself hey listen uh uh no uh you're really bending the rules on that one here. Yes. This is for people that want to get ahead, yes. that are having a hard time, and uh, but no, you you are a uh, yes. uh, you've made this a career. Yes, I, and you know what? Um, I've heard you know some of the, for example, some of the shelters. Usually, they I, I believe not all depends. I'm I'm talking about local ones here in Miami that I know of that. Normally, if you went there, you would go there for basically they, they gave you like a limitation of certain X amount of months. In other words, six months, I think it was so that you could get yourself together. But what would happen is people would end up being there years. OK, because they let's face it, if I don't have to worry about paying for a roof over my head. OK, and, and I have children before you knew it, a couple of years had gone by. And they would still be in the shelters because there was no inducement whatsoever to move on up to yeah. to better yourself even just a tiny bit 
so that you're just independent. Um, we're not going to say you're going to move into the penthouse, but God. And, you know, it's, I, it's unfortunate, but it, the nature of some people is that if you don't push them out, like, you know, fly, little bird, fly, they're not. They're not. Yeah. Well, again, too, uh, too uh, and I'll just say this here so I don't so I can clarify. Now, there's some people on out there that are mentally disturbed yes, and they say, well, how that. come you don't get a job and how come they're homeless? Well, it's because they're mentally disturbed. Yes, and we are. are, America, the government should take care of these people yes, that uh, yes. are, are, are just gonzo. However they got there because of too much drug abuse or because mm -hmm. of their family background, etc. Yes. They're, they're just, uh, you got to help them. But other people that, uh, as I said, uh, this is a career and yep. uh, they're going to be uh, uh, Section 8 for the rest of their life and uh, they're going to pass on that type of idea to others. Uh, no, that's 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 no good. That's not what this is about. No, 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 no. And again, too, the, the, that goes back to. A lot of people think of like, oh, there's no compassion. Yes, there's a lot of compassion. There's a lot of compassion, especially for people that you know absolutely. That in a way, they don't have a choice. They have some type of disability, whether it's mental illness, some type of physical disability that they just can't, you know, that they, that, that they need that help, whether it's housing or whatever. And it's not like a temporary thing, like, hey, you know what, in a year, this will be out over. And I think that's what I'm saying. I think all governments understand that some of the, that, that there's a portion of their population that just falls into that. But there's another part, which is like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go real quick into the segue. You know, this recent uh, debacle of when they were these, these rich families that were trying to get their, paying their kids into these, um, Ivy League universities, and yeah. where they were faking even um, these their children having learning disabilities mm -hmm. in order to get them easier tests or longer testing times. And uh, I hate to say that, but if people think that that these big that that those were the only circumstances where sometimes people fake either illnesses or for themselves or for their children, uh, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> that happens quite a lot, especially if, and, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. Um, if let's say you are on some type of benefits and you get X amount for your child, you will get extra money for that child if that child is diagnosed with some type of learning disability or anything of that nature. Yeah. And then that's a whole, <laughs> we could do a whole other show on that, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll yeah. say this, you know, one of the things about that is, is for example, the one that I, uh, uh, that really irritates me on that is that senator who claimed that uh, she was American Indian, oh, and I yeah. forgot what her name was. Uh, Elizabeth gosh, Warren. Elizabeth, yes, Elizabeth Warren here. Now, mind you, I know. Uh, uh, well, I, I, and I am. I told you at the beginning of yes. the, of, of the, of the uh, I am my lineage. I'm a Spaniard and an American Indian, mm -hmm. and well, for her to go and do that. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, and then for her to not uh, be forced to, to, to resign, yeah. that, that's incredible. Yes. And there are other people that, okay, that are on the reservation or that are wherever you want to call them, mm -hmm. and they rate uh, help a heck of a lot more yeah. than Elizabeth Warren, who just used that, yeah. that, that lie to get ahead. Yeah, yeah, yes, and, and people don't realize that. To be perfectly honest, I'm surprised that more uh, tribes did not like, I mean, I would be upset. I would be upset because I would be like, wait a minute. 
you know, because as far as far as I understand, I mean, I know different tribes have different standards, but yeah, if you want to uh, claim uh, alliance or in other words, you have to prove your that you have direct descent, that you are part of that tribe, in other words. Yeah. OK, you either you have to provide paperwork. I have a good friend of mine. She's a. Uh, she lives out in, in California, but her family's originally from Oklahoma, and they, 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 they're from Ch- they're from the Ch- Choctaw Nation. Mm-hmm. And um, she was explaining to me, she's always been very active in all the uh, Native American affairs, you know, out where she lives at and everything. And uh, she's ex- she was explaining to me, you know, you got to basically prove that you do have the ties to that tribe that you're claiming you just can't say oh well i'm like what she said i have high cheekbones <laughs> what is that yeah. you know it's like uh i i i'm surprised i didn't hear more tribes like like say you know like basically make an outcry against this because that's not right it's not and, right. and then and here's this person and she wants to now did she declare candidacy for the to be president she i i, I believe she i don't know if she went beyond the exploratory uh, com- you know, you know when they start thinking, okay, yeah. well, am I going to do it? But I believe she did. I believe Incredible. she's in the running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, and, and I think what was telling was that I believe that that surfaced when she was applying uh, in Texas for the bar, and uh-huh. she uh, listed herself in the application as being Native American. And the university that was it, I can't remember which university, one of the big universities was considering one of the first women of uh, basically of Native American heritage to be accepted. It's like, she's not. It's like, okay, I just, oh, that's I very just embarrassing, cut but... off a piece of my hair. And in this little strand of hair, <laughs> I have more Indian, more Native American than she yeah. has in her whole entire body. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and I, I what I'm saying is that I, you know, and I, she, it's like okay, you basically, I, like I said, I can't understand why uh, Native American tribes. There's more of a bigger outcry because basically you're you're they're using that identity uh-huh. for somebody that doesn't deserve it at all. Okay, well, you to know, open here's something on us about using identity as far as the Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. You look at these people that uh, ended up paying, you know, oh, gosh, what was it? How many tens of thousands of dollars to get into a school there? Let me tell you and something. I mean, their their parents are, you know, thirty million dollar, fifty million dollar that in minimum that they have. Something. And you say to yourself, "Geez, Louise, how shallow are these people?" To I mean, if they had put that money into yes. getting their well, their kid would not be able to start a business to begin with. That may just be wasted because of, apparently. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, if they had thrown that money to the kids and said, oh, "You go start a business." Uh, it, but nevertheless, and this is the this is the hierarchy that you're looking at that ends on up in the media, in filmdom, uh, in government. They go to these schools and they say, "Well, because I got an Ivy educa- Ivy League education, or I went to this West Coast University that uh, is the elite, uh, I know better." But can and you imagine the fallout is... from this, Alan? That you were one of these people. Whether What's deservedly that? or not, that you got a degree from one of these places, how much is that degree worth now? A lot less, I'll tell you that much. 
Well, I don't know, because remember, you know, you go on in there because you want to be with the kids from Union Carbide or from, <laughs> you know, the Rockefeller type of thing here. So it's, it's, it's a different type of mafia, you know, La Costa Nostra. For those guys than I do for these people who, oh, I, I'm from, uh, uh, I went to, to Harvard, that's what they call it, or Yale, you know, right. Harvard, yeah, Yale. Yeah, of course, because it's yeah. like you're, you're guaranteed the prestigious, you know, and you look whatever. at our leaders and where they've come from. Yes. You look at, okay, Obama, you know, uh, Bush, uh, Billy Jeff Clinton, and talking about Bush number one, on and on, to, from these schools yes. there, and you say to yourself, ah, you know, what's the connection here? Again, too, you know, uh, it's amazing. Oh, anyway, listen, uh, Marlena, yes. I'm going to have to wrap this on yes, up. I had yes, a wonderful time wonderful. here well, with you. you got to come back, should... Alan, because we got a lot to talk about. We do. we got a lot <laughs> to got, talk about. we got to get back to more of the paranormal. Okay, yes. we'll, we'll do conspiracy next time. How's Absolutely. That? On this. It has been great to speak to you, okay? And, 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 and I'm okay. going to be getting in touch with you soon to bring you back, and we can, man, there's so many things we could talk about, I'm telling you. It's endless. Right, yeah, because you already done two hours, and again, too, you know, with my gigs and stuff like this. Sure, yeah. I understand. Okay, well, all right, let me just say this before I go. That's uh, Alan Pacheco, Santa Fe Ghost and History Tours, or Google or Yahoo, Alan Pacheco or Al Pacheco. You'll get to my website, and uh, it's filled with all kinds of paranormal information, UFO, ghosts. Uh, if you're in town, Santa Fe, you want to do a tour, History Paranormal, I'm your man. If you need a lecture... Again, I'm your man. And uh, I, uh, my books, you can get them on Amazon. Perfect. And, and by the oh. way, like I said, I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show. Okay. All right. All right, darling. Take care. Que te vaya bien. Bye-bye. Que te bien. Bye-bye. Adios. <laughs> oh, boy. We went all over the map on that one. We didn't even talk that much about ghosts. I hope you liked it because you know what? Um, he's they had talk about a, um, and well, I guess also because you know, and we were before we started recording, we were talking about you know, and I asked him well, how long has your family been out there, you know, and he's like for generations. And when you mean generations, and he goes, I can, you know, I've got my European side of the family, which I, I can trace them back to the 1500s, pre. Uh, Pilgrims and uh, St. Augustine that we have in Florida, and I have Native Americans out of the family, which has been here before even that. And I said, well, then you definitely know uh, the, the real scoop on, because when people live in, in an area, like your family, in other words, has lived in an area for a long time, you know the skinny, you know the truth, not the hype or what goes on or what, you know, is published. You, you get the real, the real stuff about what goes on or has gone on in that area. And uh, like he said, he's been doing the tours for, what, 30 years at least? Uh, and I, I'm going to have to bring him back so he could tell the stories about all these places because I'm sure that a lot of these places, like we were talking, you know, the the experience he's had firsthand and people that have gone with him. And if it's true, when you go to, to Alan's website, you see a slew of photographs that people on the tours have sent him about stuff they photograph, you know, like when you look at it after the fact things that they've found that they photographed on their tours. Excellent tours. You could tell just by looking at the pictures, um, you know, that, uh, you know, how basically those pictures are like testimonials. And uh, he's very knowledgeable. And, and you could tell he does different tours. And absolutely, he can, I guess, depending on, you know, what floats your boat, he's going to have uh, a tour about it and knowledgeable. And 
like I said, you know, I've gone on different tours in different places and the ones I truly enjoy are the ones for people that really know the history. Even if it's a ghost tour, the history, the uh, behind the scenes information that you never see in a history book or never made the paper or, you know, is out there in the public. This is like, hey, the real story on this, the backstory on this event or this family or this building or this haunting is blah, blah, blah. And people like Alan are the ones that fall into that category because they've just been around. And like he was saying, he, um, when he got into this in the 80s, he was able to speak to people that had lived out there, these old cowboys that he was saying that basically they were like on their last legs, 80s and 90s. But let me tell you something. At that age, you're going to, you know, it's like, Maybe stuff that you haven't said before, you're going to say it. And, and I'm sure he's got a, a treasure trove of information from firsthand accounts. Because, you know, sometimes a lot of stories or whether they're true or not, they get lost in translation. You know, one, from one person telling the other, telling the other. And then by the, the end result is not what the original story was. So, But when you get it from, in other words, from the horse's mouth, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. And, you know, normally I, I, I don't, you know, I don't talk about, you know, conspiracy theories and things like that. And, you know, usually because the paranormal, I, I want to say that the paranormal is almost like a, um, it's a non-political uh, subject. If you look at it from that point, it's, it's a human thing or a non-human thing or a spiritual thing. But <clears throat> believe it or not, there, there are areas of it that do overlap especially when, you know, what we were talking about originally, when we were talking about uh, the effect of dark powers. Yeah, you know, when you look at Hollywood, you know, horror movies and whatever, usually it's inflicted on an individual or a family or a group of friends, depending on what the, the theme of the movie is. But, and usually, when you see a movie that um, that is dark and affects a population or a town, it's usually like from outer space or something like that, or zombies. Um, you never see the darkness of, how can I say it, uh, causing human suffering. And I'm not talking on, and I'm not talking on, on a, on a, on a, like on a political stage, I'm talking about suffering caused by what's done to a population. Okay. Like I said, on the face of it, and I want to use what the example of what me and Alan were talking about, addiction, drugs, you know, God knows we're being overrun uh, with so many different things with the opioids, all these synthetic drugs that are so cheap. Um, and on the face of it, you could say, well, you know, it's uh, the addiction, the horror of the addiction. You know, the suffering it causes for the person, more than likely death, overdosing, or your health is ruined for the rest of your life, uh, mental illness. Some people, it fries their brains permanently, no coming back from it. But I wasn't kidding. Besides the suffering, you know, what it does by stages to the family of that individual, okay? Uh, if that person gets together with another person and has a child, 
you know, in other words, it expands, you know, if it's a child, the parents, it expands the family around them. They suffer when there's a family member that they can't help. Or if it's a child living with one or two parents or family members that are heavily involved in an, an addictive lifestyle. Okay, it's almost like a gift that's done. And then it just ripples outward uh, to where they live at, the area they live at, the town, uh, everything. It, it, it becomes like a dark ripple on the water from the action of, in other words, the addiction is just not a self-contained event of the destruction of that one person's life. Okay. And, or that you could look at and say, well, man, it either killed you or your health is done, you know, gone. We're talking about the effects on a spiritual level. Let me tell you something. When you're around uh, somebody that's addicted to something, uh, everything around them, you know, is, is dark. It's dark. It's dark. And, uh, and I've spoken about another shows as far as, uh, the, and I've seen it firsthand, um, the attachments, dark spiritual turbulence and attachments that are part and parcel of an addict, of an addiction. Okay. And I mean that, that's a whole nother show, but yeah. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's, it, it's keeps on giving darkness and destruction and anguish and just bad things happening all around starting with that person maybe even before them to ancestors and to their descendants and to their neighbors and i mean sometimes people have done horrific things to their neighbors under the effects of drugs sometimes people have done horrific things to strangers under the effects of drugs this is besides the obvious which is themselves okay this is not a self-contained thing and then you know and of course then we go out further when we're talking about society you know, you have the destruction of people that maybe if they weren't addicted of drugs could be really productive parts of society. Yeah, some of them might be geniuses, but it doesn't really matter. You know, as long as let's say you're an ordinary good person that is part of a society and becomes part of it and is basically helps to help other human beings, but what if you're addicted to drugs? You're not there. You're not, you're not part of the solution. You know, and by this, I don't want to, but, you know, um, maybe you're the person that could save a drowning kid, but you're not there. That, that moment, that, that role that you might have played if you weren't addicted is not, you're in a crack house somewhere smoking some crack. I mean, it's like endless, you know, you know what they say, the variations or the butterfly effect. What are the different possibilities of what that person could have been if they weren't addicted. That's what I'm saying. The, the destruction and the havoc and the anguish that comes with it is, let me tell you something, it's ad infinitum. And, you know, you could look at it and say, well, there's nothing that's not spiritual, but if you look at it from, okay, the obvious is people produce drugs because they want to make money. They want to sell it and make money all down the line from the person that manufactures the drug to, you know, the distributorship to the guy that sells it on the street corner. Everybody's doing it for money. And you can say, well, this is just basically a money thing. 
but there's something more to it than that there is there's there's just a, there's a a spiritual corruption that goes with it okay that you don't have when you sell other things it's not it's 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 not and um and you could say well you know is there any type of intelligence when i say intelligence i mean like a master plan behind it besides the the obvious which is humans making money along the way yeah you could say that there is behind the scenes which is what comes of it what comes what what is the effect on the spiritual level of the person and the humans around them forget the physical stuff we know what what physically happens to you with drugs what is the spiritual emotional disturbances that comes into the either into the metaphysical levels i mean it's yeah i think that there's a lot of stuff out there that that can be very disturbing and sometimes it can even feel overwhelming because you're thinking well what am i going to do me one person you know what there's a lot of me's and i've said it before in other shows we are more powerful on an individual basis than we give ourselves credit for and i think a lot of times people think i can't make a difference i'm just one person against the powers of whatever it is the government the cartels the the, the illuminati the you know what the devil yes we are more we are very very powerful on an individual basis okay and when you recognize the power that you have on an individual basis you recognize then the power that you have in a group okay because if you're that powerful by yourself how much more powerful is when you have a group that are on the same page wanting the same thing okay and by this i mean um and, and a lot of people don't think you know not even on the physical plane on a spiritual plane okay putting out positive energy you go oh marlene that's so that's so blah 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 uh yeah if you believe in a metaphysical level if you believe in the ability of the human mind intent to manifest in the physical what we put out uh yeah yes we can and i think that a lot of us think no that's too easy that can't happen yes we do it all the time all the time okay all it needs is a little bit of intent and perseverance and you'd be surprised what one human being can manifest into the reality whether it's already in reality but not in your in your presence and it will come to you into your orbit or something that will come into being because of your intent to bring it into that into reality to manifest it okay uh yes we can we can and what i'm saying this is this is on the positive side on an individual and, and on a group basis and um a lot of it i think starts with love and compassion okay and this is and this is not to come because a lot of people think well you know with with that uh you know love peace and compassion uh you know we're like you're just gonna be sheeple no 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 okay it's like don't don't confuse kindness with weakness you can be a very kind and compassionate person that doesn't mean you're weak that's a contrary okay you can be very very powerful okay that doesn't mean you're weak a loving kind person can be very very strong as a matter of fact one of the strongest and uh 
again, you know, I, Alan was not too far off the mark when he says that uh, we've been dumbed down. And I'm not talking just educational, educationally or, you know, knowledge wise. We've been dumbed down as to our abilities as human beings on a physical and in a non-physical level. And believe me, if we, and I've said this before, if we weren't that powerful, nobody would take the trouble to try to harness us or to make us believe certain things because it wouldn't matter. Okay, when was the last time anybody ran around trying to, uh, uh, okay, let's indoctrinate the chickens, let's indoctrinate the cattle. Who cares? It's, it doesn't matter. But as humans, yes, we do matter a lot. A lot we're powerful and the same way unfortunately that some of us are manipulated into doing bad and evil things okay not only for what it does on a physical level but also for what it causes on a non-physical metaphysical level so we can do it on the positive side on the positive side and I, I think that you know sometimes um, if you look especially at the media a lot of times it makes it look like the, the world's coming to an end and bad things are just happening. It's always bad stuff. or And I don't think so. And I've said it before. I believe in human beings. I believe we will triumph. I believe we will come out at the end of it. And I don't think we're meant here to be perfect. I don't think we should have all the answers. I think it, the, the process is that whatever time we're here, we figure things out. We make mistakes. Uh, whether it's collectively as a group, within a family, a town, a city, a state, or on an individual basis, okay? It's to figure it out, engage in life. But hopefully, okay, even with all our stuff that we human beings do, that we do stupid stuff, that we lie, that we make mistakes, that we say something hurtful, and you know, then you're like, even when within that context, okay, I think that we are, the human beings are good. And that we are uh, meant to be, you know, beings of light. We're supposed to, we're not, we're not meant to be bad. That, that sometimes we're made that way, uh, molded that way because of circumstances as a child in your life. Or sometimes even on purpose, I hate to say that. Okay. Um, it happens. It happens. But at the end, like I said, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. I am the eternal optimist. Uh, and uh, hoping I'm going to bring um, Alan back. <laughs> so many things we could talk about, God. Uh, and I'm hoping uh, you guys are going to come back and, and, and look at that show. And I do want to thank you for coming and uh, you know listening or seeing these shows with all these different guests. I've got a lot of interesting ones coming up. Pretty soon I'm working on season seven of Stories of the Supernatural and the true. Uh, True Believer Stories, it's on SupernaturalStoryTime.com. And then if you're into the classic ghost stories, go to NightshadeDiary.com. And you're going to find me on all the social media platforms. Uh, like I said, usually I'll put on there links to stories. So you can even listen to the podcasts either from the, the social media platform or you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You find the actual MP3 files you can, uh, you can download or links to the different podcast platforms like iTunes, Spreaker, uh, Spotify. You're going to find the shows there. Uh, or the links to the YouTube video. However you want to see it. Okay, again, if you have suggestions for either subject matter for guests, that by all means, send them to me. You know, I am 
I'm working on on another book, and I'm working. Uh, I'm trying to bring some true believers that I could actually film that won't just send me stories. That I would I would like to interview them, even if I don't get them. You know that that I could interview them. Uh, even on their voice for them to tell the story because I love to hear. Even though I can retell it and people write write the story, I love to hear when people tell the story, especially when it's their own experience. You know, there's just something about it that's, you know, that it's not the same thing when it's retold, in other words. So, yeah, I've got a lot of good things planned. Um, you know, and again, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Take care, guys.